there is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. everyone and welcome to Fansplainers. My name is David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby. And today we are retrosplaining again. Uh, last uh, last episode we talked about Top Gun. This week we're going back even farther in time, back to 1975 for the uh, hit summer classic Jaws. Some would say the first uh, summer blockbuster. I think it's a, definitely a model for the summer blockbuster, not just in terms of movie making, but in terms of movie promotion. The fact that the way they used... Uh, images and the way the amount of ads they they put on and stuff like that they really put a, a lot of money into making this movie sell and it made a lot of money they make a lot Which of money really what changes things is when things make a lot of money yes it worked that's what um, but we have not the, said the name of it yet i said jaws did you yeah oh is this a prequel to jaws 4 yes very good the thing that you think about it like 1977 of course is star wars so but I don't think I can't think of 1976 as there being like a big summer blockbuster for that for that year. Hmm. So it's almost as if Jaws was like so surprising, no one had anything in their pocket to to put out for the you know the next summer. Like we're gonna have another one next summer. This is gonna be like a big smash. I read about this. Hello, my name is Kia Guerra. I'm here <laughs> as the shark geek this week. But I was also reading about Jaws and that the reason the blockbuster became so popular for the summer was that, that before then, that period of time was considered a dead zone mm. because the, everyone was on vacation. So no one marketed it for that that period. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time they figured they're going to just go all in. They did a massive amount of media. And that's what started the whole trend of having movies hit big in the summertime. Y- yes, but... But it's such it was so surprising. I think that no one had anything ready for the next year, right. so it, there wasn't like a. Isn't it surprising though that they wouldn't think let's put a lot of uh, push behind movies in the summer because people have time off. You know, you think they'd be going to movies in the mm-hmm. evening. Maybe it's summertime and so it's bright out. You don't want to go inside yeah. and see a movie in a dark theater. It could Possibly. be that, and and maybe there wasn't as much air conditioning in those days, so going to theater was a. A hot mess rather and, than and an enjoyable. Yeah, there was uh, less cool global bl- global warming, so you know it all uh, all evened out. And then people traveled more in those days. The vacations were an actual thing, whereas nowadays most people do a lot of staycations and stuff like that because it's so expensive to travel. It's, in fact, all the almost all the people in this movie are on a vacation. Yes, that's right. We see ferry after ferry arriving, teeming with humanity. And let's just arrive. say, by gosh, like as someone who grew up in the seventies and was a kid, then uh, they got the fashions right. They have bathing suits in here you do not see anymore. They're just this weird, oddly tight, uncomfortable-looking bathing suits that well, everyone's wearing. I just like that you said they get the fashions right. This, yeah, 
It's not like it was. It's not like it was, we're watching Days and Confused here. We're watching a movie that was made in that 1975. That is true. <laughs> they got it absolutely right because they because everyone was dressed the, time the that way. It was. They just brought and people they got a young Roy Scheiner uh, look exactly like. He oh yeah, he it. looked exactly like he he did in 1974. <laughs> All right, we're starting off like this. Huh? <laughs> By the way, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, she introduced herself, which I'm sorry, a person has to do that in a podcast. But yes, Pia Gare is here. You might know her from her work in the comics uh, industry or her editorial cartoons uh, and so on and so forth. Anyway, but she is also uh, used to uh, volunteer at the Vancouver Aquarium okay. and would present shark facts as well as other uh, facts about various uh, aquatic life to uh, young people. Cool. And uh, man, this movie messed sharks up for a long time in people's minds. It did. And in fact, I was reading it. An interview with Peter Benchley much after the fact, and probably had a lot of checks in his pocket when he said this, but he said he regretted writing Jaws. Uh, he didn't mean, of course, to turn the world against sharks. He was just, he read an article about uh, a shark attack. Hmm? Oh, okay. Pia has a shark fact. 1916, it was known as the Matawan Creek Shark Attack. Uh, there was a series of attacks that happened on the Jersey Shore. I know a lot about this because I am from Matawan, New Jersey. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, yeah, I used to swim in those beaches a lot. Um, but yes, there were four, five people who were attacked. Four of them died. They just bled to death because no one knew how to deal with sharks. But yeah. it was just, uh, there was one particular creek. It was inland. Ah. So it was the only known inland shark attack where two kids got got bitten, was killed. I think the other one died later. And another guy who went in to save them uh, also got killed. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, okay. 1916. <laughs> okay. So if it makes I, you I feel think better, also they'd was, be dead by now anyway. And I think it was also something that happened in 67 that also kind of spurred him to to start writing the story was as well. Was it me being born? Yes. Boothby <laughs> will really enjoy this movie. I better get go, better get cracking. Have, have either of you read the book that this is based on? No. Yeah. I read the beginning of it. I had never read all of it. I read, in fact, I read a Reader's Digest version of it. You remember when Reader's Digest would do like their condensed sure. novels and they get like four novels in a and, hardcover uh, it book? it would just be called Jaw. Yes, they left off the S just to condense it even more. But it was interesting, A, that it was a female shark in there and they call, they often refer to the shark in Jaws as a he and it could be, they just don't know so they just like, he is an easy way to th- say something. And then, well, you also don't want to kill a, a female shark because you feel bad. And then the opening of it was told from the point of view of the shark swimming in the water, which I thought was different as well. The other aspects that are We different. get no shark opinions in this movie. No, you also, uh, there was a mafia subplot that was in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking right now on the Richard Dreyfus character's name, which I... Uh, Matt Hooper. There you go. Uh, he has an affair with Brody's wife That's in right. the book. That's right. Uh, all things that were removed... Uh, from, uh, yeah, his. Steven Spielberg didn't want him his character to be un, like he just thought it would be awkward to have because he wanted the thing that he liked most when he read the book wasn't anything else but the part on the boat at sea. That was the only part of the book that he liked, and so that was the part he was really looking forward to doing. In fact, when he got when uh, Peter Benchley was basically like when he sold the book, he it was sold on the agreement that he would do like a first draft for the for the screenplay as well, which he did, and it was very faithful to his book. But that's not what Spielberg wanted when he look, took over the, the writing it. He wanted almost all to concentrate on the the boat, them at sea, and that was right. pretty really interested in the three guys on a boat at sea, and so. He thought it would make it really awkward if Hooper had had a affair with with uh, the sheriff's or the chief's wife. You know, it just he just didn't want that kind of friction in the in the scene. He just wanted like three people cooperating There's to try to. There's already enough tension without. Yeah, because Quint about is yeah this eccentric Quint guy. And, yeah, you don't need a lone yeah. shark in your uh, movie about a shark shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, we were mentioning that the shark was a was a female. I think the only 
film in the, I don't want to say it's a series, but there's four Jaws movies. Um, the third Jaws film, it is a female because they do the old thing, the old fake them out, which they sort of have in this, mm. where uh, sharks killing people. They got the shark. Yay, we got the shark. Wrong. You didn't get the shark. You got the baby of the shark. And so now mom's mad and she's coming after you, Uh-oh. which if you like that plot, it is also the plot of the Meg. Is it? Yes. Okay. Mama, mama shark is there. You think you got the the shark? You didn't. You made the mom mad, and now here's here comes trouble. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Meg definitely follows the legacy of these uh, shark movies, as does uh, a film like uh, The Deep, which uh, also has Robert Shaw in it. Yes. Orca had a same. Yeah, that's right. Or sorry, I'm just going to quickly just diverge and go like a very disappointed in Orca because <laughs> uh, that definitely was a movie that they tried to you know jaws say, it up, jaws it up, uh, and they would advertise in the back of comic books and they made the uh, Orca look like enormous, like the size of a cruise ship. And I'm like, okay. this is going to be great. And when I finally end up seeing it on TV, it's just an Orca. With, like, with Richard Harris. That's right. Richard Harris. No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just speculating here because I only caught a glimpse of it while watching the movie again, uh, Jaws. There were some scenes there with an actual live shark where they're attacking the cage. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I saw some claspers, which made it a male shark. Okay. Uh, and that's an interesting part. Uh, just to sort of jump ahead, they did film that. It was actually filmed, they're credited at the end of the film. They're the last credit on, uh, in the film. A uh, couple from Australia who shot the sequences in the in the uh, attack on the cage using a midget or a small person a short i think right. actually a jockey in a in a diving suit in a cage that was built smaller right. the than the one that was used that's what he was doing that day and it wasn't mm-hmm. just regular jockey stuff and all of a sudden get in the cage mm-hmm. and he didn't realize where's the horse don't worry about it jockey You're, this is jockey and business and he got dunked <laughs> in the water like i don't think this is jockey business yeah, I don't at think, all <laughs> yeah i don't think they told him what he was doing at all uh, so so when they filmed that sequence the, they got this fantastic scene of the shark attacking the cage without the diver in it. And so in the original screenplay, Matt Hooper's character was supposed to die, was supposed to be eaten by the shark and die. But because they had this fantastic footage of this cage, this empty cage being attacked, they decided to have him escape from the cage and hide in the, in the reef or whatever down below in the, the coral, is I guess. Better. It you is know? better because it, it's kind of, the, and I was thinking at how would the end of the movie be? Without Matt Hooper there to have one that. One guy climbing up on the beach at the very end. Which, by the way, I had never, sorry to jump at the very end, I sure. had never seen uh, it at, at a size where I where I, I saw that both of them climb up on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so you've always seen like pan and scan, so it was cut off in yes, the size or whatever? Yes, small, mm. or I think, well, the movie's over. I'm just looking at like footage of a beach. I don't think any business uh, is going on. Then, HD. Yeah, and then we watched I'm it in a, HD. Yeah. And he went like, hey, look behind that word in the credits. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, there they are. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So so anyway, we, we've now spoiled the ending. So now you know. Well, it's a spoiler. It's a spoiler podcast, everyone. Sure, sure In case is. you didn't know it, it's a spoiler podcast. We just spoiled and you, it. And what they what they built this movie up from nineteen seventy five. Yeah, what they built up uh, for his uh, for Dreyfus's character wouldn't make sense to have him be killed. You know, it's that's not a rewarding yeah, ending yeah, or anything. Yeah. You know, Quint. Yeah. Okay. This mm-hmm. is you know he's we really laid a lot of pipe <laughs> for this, and I I did feel kind of sorry by the way. By the time we got to that point, Quint did get eaten. We're going all over the map. Sure, um, we can we can circle around and come Quint back. Quint was the so drunk by that point that that shark. That's how they got him. Clearly, was he was, <laughs> he, just, was he he was he pretty was, much three yeah. sheets to the wind at that's that right. point. Yeah, it was either he was going to attack the ship or get arrested by the police for drunk swimming. <laughs> so. Exactly. Okay, well let's let's circle back around. Right, we've we've really gone. Shark does sometimes yeah. with its victims. Let's come back around. Let's let's start at the beginning of this movie, which opens uh, with a party on a beach, mm-hmm. and we get a a scene with. I'm not sure sure what 
what the point of the scene was a couple a guy and a gal giving each other the i guess googly eyes mm-hmm. there's some sort of like unspoken agreement luckily this guy can read these these uh i i didn't even know what was happening i I was watching it the movie. It was the late no 70s, sense. you know, yeah. or mid to late 70s. It's good that this he, is all they had to it's do. It's good that he picked up the signal, because I, I was missing it just as a spectator. Um, so apparently the actress who plays that part was a, a stunt woman who turned actress. And the reason they used her was, A, she could swim, and also she was willing to get uh, naked. So that was Which a bonus. Which gets the kind of exploitation part of the movie done and over with yeah. fast. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing we, you and I, uh, went through watching a series of exploitation movies, not for this show, but just because, you know, uh, they were playing at a local uh, movie theater called mm-hmm. uh, The Rio. Yeah. And yeah, you've got to get to the point where there's some nudity. Yeah. Then a gruesome death, and then the rest of the movie is avenging the gruesome death, which it's justified now because of that. But you also had the titillation of that, and Spielberg gets it all over with right right away. There's yeah. going to be no more nudity through this thing at all. I was a little disappointed, but yeah, really. Well, the shark was naked. I guess that was all right. Oh, it's going to be Richard Dreyfus, uh, Quint <laughs> uh, Scheider. Who, who are you looking? Who are you looking for? Yeah, Scheider. Harry, the guy with the bad hat. I want to see a little nude scene with Harry, maybe. Don't remember Harry. That's some bad body, Harry. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this, so it's it's it's. Is that where that comes from? That some bad hat, Harry. Yes. Oh, okay. That's exactly where that comes okay. from. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a very. Which, by the way, is a production company, a TV production company. Everyone, if you didn't know that. Uh, as a as as a writer, if you want to rip off something for a horror movie or anything, uh, the structure of Jaws is pretty is pretty great. And uh, d- doing the first scene mm. setting up, there's a monster. You can't quite see the monster. Yeah. You leave it to your imagination. But something horrific, and actually the most horrific thing that ever happens in the movie happens in the first couple of no, actually. Well, unless you're counting Quint's death. No, I'm thinking of this sequence that actually is the biggest jump scare in the film where where Hooper goes to check out the boat and the head comes popping out right, of the bottom of the... Right, but that's not a gruesome scene. That's a startling kind of scene. How about the leg floating down later on Again, when the guy gets attacked in the, the bay? It was, it was, yeah, that was, that was, that was gruesome, but you don't have a person screaming that it hurts and is like dying, yeah. you know, in front of you, like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, it's not really, you feel every little bit of okay, pain. Okay, let's say, let's say, it's not really gruesome, it's more... It's more frightening or scary because there's very little blood. Sure. There's oh, no, there's other frights in the movie. Yeah, there's very but little blood, but it's, it feels it's like really, what, what they did was, yeah. you know, what movies were at the time, what exploitation films were at the time. There was expectations, mm-hmm. and he he Spielberg pays those off right off the top. You've gotten your fill, and now here we go. Well, this is something Spielberg's really good at. Uh, he models his movies on roller coasters. That's the first drop. Okay. And then you have a bunch of the loop-de-loops and little drops, and then you have the final. Mm. And then the big breather, and you're out. He did that with Jurassic Park, too. It's always that first gruesome start, and then you're in, you're, you're on the ride. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, he, um, it is also interesting that uh, Richard Dreyfuss didn't want to do this movie. Oh, not Richard, sorry, uh, Steven Spielberg. Actually, Richard Dreyfuss didn't want to do it either, but Richard Spielberg didn't want uh, to do this Steven film. Steven Spielberg. Or, Rich, sorry, Steven please, Spielberg. Richard Spielberg is my father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Ian Spielberg. Uh yeah, Steven Spielberg wasn't too keen to do this movie because he just he, he had just done Duel and he was thinking like, am I going to be like the Trucks and Shark director? Is this is this my legacy now? I'm just going to be kind of stuck it's into not this. Not really thing. a genre, Trucks and Sharks. No, but you know, was, I think he was just sort of thinking, I'm just going to become like the the scary director, like yeah. you know, scary trucks, scary shark, scary this, scary that. And so he was a little unwilling to do it. They actually had talked to another director before this, but he was he was let go from the project because he insisted on calling the shark a whale. 
he kept referring to it as a whale, and it was getting the producers so frustrated that they, they let him go. Let me just double check with our shark expert. Is a shark a whale? No, it is a fish. Yeah, it's a fish. Very good. Thank you. Uh, the name of this director was Dick Richards, which I thought was a terrible name to give your, your child, Richard Richards. Right. Not like Richard Spielberg. Now that's a name. That's, that's a name to remember. No one exists with that name. Listen, I'm allowed to be confused. Sure. I mean, you saw a scary movie. You're all, uh, you're all yeah, startled. I'm so, so Why didn't Richard Dreyfuss want to do it? Richard Dreyfuss didn't want to do it because of the same reason that uh, Timothy Bottoms, Jeff Bridges, and all kinds of other people turned turned down the opportunity of this movie. He was hoping for Dutch Rabbits, too. They didn't realize. Steven Spielberg wasn't a name director. No one said, Steven Spielberg, this would be great. They went, a movie about a giant shark attacking people? Just... You know, B movie garbage, so they didn't, weren't interested in sure. it. Sure, yeah, I'll and give so, but Richard Dreyfus had seen uh, the apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, which he had just done. Mm-hmm. Thought he was terrible in it. Oh, thought his career was going to go down the tubes and be a. And so he he had the night before he had said no. The next day he called and said, "Listen, I've been thinking about this. If you're still interested, I'll, I'll take this performance." Because he was so frightened it would be the he was his career was over after he saw his performance. And Daddy Kravitz, which actually was a really uh, acclaimed performance, so his he was just being a, a you know a, a, a nervous actor, I guess. But it is interesting, and same with Roy Scheider wasn't the first wasn't first choice, and um, Robert Shaw also turned it down, and it was his wife and his secretary who insisted that he do it, and he said they also insisted that I do from Russia with love, which I didn't want to do, and they were so right, so I I, I went along with their. Did they insist he do uh, Robin and Marion? Who? Uh, Robert Shaw, because he's the sheriff of Nottingham. Is he? Yes. I didn't know that. I don't know. He probably probably was happy to do that one. All right. Very good. It's a weird film. And it's okay. It's pretty good. There's a weirder film that he's in with a, a young fellow, and I can't remember who it is now, where there are two convicts on the run. They're like have escaped from an unknown place, and they're being chased by unknown people. Right. And it's basically the movie is just them like on the run through this kind of lance through this landscape. But it's a very kind of artsy. Strange movie. I think he directed it, actually. Now, when you're talking about that this uh, was thought of to be an exploitation film, if you describe it, it sounds like one. And even Well, if you... I mean, it is an exploitation film. It's just a really, really well-done well, exploitation film. Well, this is the thing. It's film. like, what separates it from, why is it a great movie? And I'll say it's a great movie, uh, as opposed to an exploitation film. And it's nice that you've got, actually, the examples of, say, a Jaws 3 and a Jaws 4. Mm-hmm. Because... They're... I've never seen those movies, but okay. Okay, I've seen, I've seen all of them. Uh, My condolences. And, and yeah, you don't... Okay. Jaws 4 you find out that uh, Brody uh, died, uh, which you don't ever want to hear that yeah, nonsense. Yeah. And here's how he died. Oh, fright. <laughs> From his past experiences. He fell in they the just water? Caught, no, they just caught up with him and he just got <laughs> died of fright. And then they kill uh, his son. Well, you don't want that either. So that's yeah, just yeah. nonsense. But you see in three and four... Sounds like, what some, uns- some, sounds like some contractual difficulties are going on. Perhaps. What what unskilled uh, directors would do mm. with the same material. And yeah. it is pure exploitation there. For sure. Whereas I think with this film, they spend so much time... Well, first of all, you get your shock scene off the top. Yeah. Which then lets you take a long time to get to the next death. Mm. And, in do- and in doing that, you really get to know uh, Brody. And you see like what this town is and all these small details. And it really feels like a town. Yeah. Like there's- everyone's got small problems that they want him to solve. And it's all this, you know, just regular real life nonsense. And it grounds things in a way that you just wouldn't see now. No one would take the amount of time to set up the town so that when stuff starts happening, you yeah. care. Yeah. It would be get to the action, get to the beat. And oddly enough, the thing I think that made things like that was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which then set up this a- action yeah, thriller con- movie structure. really need to constantly be on the run. Let's and constantly, get going. Yeah, let's yeah. get going. Whereas, yeah, the Jaws is a real 
is a real seven is a real part of the seventies movie. Yes. I mean, it's it it's not that it's slow, but that it's it's well paced. Right. You look at a movie and like, like a lot of movies now, which are not well paced. Right. And, you look at something like a Bullet, and uh, you go, "Oh, there's a great uh, driving scenes." A great car chase in that movie, yeah. But there is a lot of just standing around and setting up yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing with al- almost every movie from the seventies. Yeah, The French Connection, another movie yeah, with a great say car the French chase. French Connection, yeah. There's a lot of. There's a lot of scenes of guys sitting in cars or, or hanging around bars talking, sure. and. But I think especially in this film, speaking you of Roy Scheider, that to see the town. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, because the town is so busy, when we get to the third act and we're on the boat and it's all isolated and they're alone, yeah. it's even more impactful because you had seen this world that they were in beforehand, and nope, now we're not. Just these three on their own, yeah, against this monster, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it's really scary and good. It is good. It's a, it's a, it's a very good film, and even though none of the actors who were chosen, I, th- I think maybe Robert Shaw was. Was um, no, I don't think even even think he was intended from the beginning. It's it, but you don't feel like when you hear who are the other actors they were thinking of hiring. None of them make you go, oh, it would have been interesting. Like it just feels like it's the perfect cast for this film. That Roy Scheider is really good in his part. That Richard Dreyfuss is like just a gift from heaven in his part. He does such a great job as this sort of mouthy, pushy, you know, kind of in the back. Making his making his you know like eye rolls and stuff to yeah. to to Brody, and then Shaw you know who uh, had a lot of personal problems at that time uh, apparently did not stay on this when when his shooting day was done he either left he went to the like to the Caribbean or he flew to Canada he would not stay in the states because he was afraid of tax problems mm. and so he would the more time he spent in the states the more tax problems he was afraid of getting so he would just like take off like as soon as the shooting day was over i'm gone and then when he did his like great monologue when he did the the indianapolis monologue apparently he insisted on drinking before he did it got so drunk he couldn't do it and then uh was so ashamed when he came in the next day he apologized the next day when he came in and just killed it nailed it perfectly the next day and it is a great performance but it is interesting uh just how perfect all of, all of them were they also and, physically are such a great they all look so different yeah you know, yeah. there's there's such different aspects of, uh, of of men. Yeah, you know, and it is kind of yeah, that's that's true. And it is it's one of those in, like um, what well, we did Top Gun last week or the last show, in which uh, is also I think a study of men, a study of of ideas of manliness and, and men. And this film is a different idea of of manliness. And and this film is interesting because people can be scared. You know, like Roy Scheider's oh, yeah. character could be scared. He can be like trying to call for help, you know, and then we have Quint who's like the ultimate in machismo where he's, you know, it's like a personal affront to him that sharks exist on the earth, you know, uh, because of his experiences, obviously. Sure. And, and then and then we have Matt Hooper's character who is both brave and scared. You know, when he's getting in the water, he tries to spit in the mask and he says, you know, weird, I don't have any saliva. You know, like he's, yeah. it's... Uh, well, he's, I like that he, like uh, Pia, is a uh, shark expert. Uh, and and he said and he says that he loves sharks and I believe him. Yeah, he says that he loves sharks, but he knows sharks so well yes. that he knows the the danger they're in more than you know at least uh, Brody. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. He knows what he knows what's up, so mm-hmm. he knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's an interesting thing. That kind of fast talking character uh, is is pretty much. In every action movie now, yeah. If you don't have that guy yes. as your lead, you're going to have him as your best friend. He's usually the the ex- exposition dumper as well. He's good. They're, those characters are good for that as well, right? And then you know, if you're a bad filmmaker, you kill him off. 
because mm. you think that's a smart thing to do. That's well, nice what's really smart with him is that he helps ramp up the tension right off the top when he does the autopsy because he puts this emotional like intent like intensity into it that just brings it way high mm -hmm. like you see him getting upset at this like this is not a boat accident yeah yeah and it's beautiful it's just it really oh that autopsy. I, th I thought you're talking about the autopsy when he's digging into the fi uh, shark after that was that fish. too that too because you mm. see him like not liking to do this yeah yeah but, you know yeah. seeing the, the remains of this girl and freaking out and seeing him dig into this shark and freaking out and it's yeah like, yeah you're you you're in it no you're he does a, he does a great job and it's kind of funny because there was a little bit of like the hollywood brat pack of that time was this the group of directors you know spielberg and de palma and scorsese and george lucas and uh coppola were all friends all friends you know and we'd spend a lot of time together watching movies talking about movies talking about the movies they were making and it's interesting because george lucas recommended dreyfus to steven spielberg because he had been in american graffiti right and so when spielberg, spielberg said i'm looking for this kind of actor he said oh i know the perfect actor richard dreyfus would be perfect for you and then John Milius, who was also part, also a director, also part of this scene, um, he did some of the writing. He wrote the the monologue, the Indianapolis monologue, okay. for, for for Quint. Uh, so it's just interesting that kind of I always enjoy that thing, like De Palma coming to George Lucas and writing the the, the crawl for the beginning of the film oh, of Star that. Wars. Yeah, he said no one's going to understand what you're doing. Like no one has no context. You know, you need some way of, of letting the audience know what's happening. I said, why don't you have like a like just have a a thing that you can read that people yeah. can read before the movie starts. And he, I guess he would have shown him whatever the 1930s serial that yeah. used to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and oh, that yes, indeed. When you were mentioning the autopsies, those were like that's another example I think of things that worked in here. Aside from you know the, the leg that falls is mm. a gruesome thing, but it could be way more gruesome. Like yeah. you, it, it 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 they they imply and infer much more. It's than 70s gruesome. Should. I don't know. Like I think was was this an R-rated movie? Yes. I would assume so. Well, yeah. there's exploitation movies that definitely would go even gorier. But when you see something like the autopsy, you you don't really see her. You don't see the body. Yeah. You know, it holds up a bit of an arm and you get something and you see there's a little something, but your your brain is, is filling it in. You're getting also the glasses. You're, get, you're getting a little something in his glasses. That's a good point. And then when he's cutting open the shark, you could have it from the angle of let's see it all just bloop out. Yeah, yeah. But nope. We're, we're seeing no, no. It. It's worse to not see it's it. It's worse to not see. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, I think, where... Uh, Spielberg plays it cool and as the obvious thing which we're going to get into is that the shark didn't work yes the uh the Bruce uh, as they called it the mechanical shark named didn't after work. Uh, Spielberg's lawyer is that right yeah oh they're very nice um it didn't work so they couldn't use it as much as they wanted to yeah and so your mind has to uh fill in the blanks sure. and your mind will scare you more than anything any director mm. will show you yeah and and that was the hidden strength of this movie was that yeah they couldn't do what they wanted to do lucky you and so you know you ended up with a great film whereas i think like in something like a jaws 3 or a jaws 4 ugh, uh, where they over they, they're over reliant they on the show it yeah. or something now like the meg uh we've got the cgi shark and it's in, insanely detailed and just oh here we go and it's like mm, it's so yeah. boring yeah it's not as so interesting as yeah yeah what's under the water did we see something yeah and they play those beats quite well, actually, mm -hmm. like earlier on, where there's just a guy with a, a Harry, a uh, guy <laughs> like uh, going under a woman uh, with his little skin, uh, with his little uh, bathing cap. And it's like, oh, is that a shark? No, it's not a shark. Oh, is that a shark? No, that's not a shark. We saw something. No, it's just a, just a trick of the light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what it would be like for you if you were looking for one, too. Yeah. Uh, well, the opening sequence of the film with the attack on, on the girl 
was supposed to feature Bruce, but Bruce wasn't working. So they decided to use a series of cables uh, tied to her and just pull her around in the water. But it's much more effective because it's it's so it's so I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's so eerie, jarring. You know, it it, it, it your mind is just racing what it could mean. You know, what what's happening? What what is a shark doing? Also, like also highlights the norm. Like you have just a normal event of someone swimming and suddenly yeah. they're not there. Yeah. Or something happens. You can't mm. see it. You don't know what. But it that I mean, even later on when when the kid gets gets pulled in, it's just a normal setting. Yeah. You just see something behind people. Something really big flies out of the water for a second, but you don't know what it is, and it just it really emphasizes it grounds everything. Yeah. 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 They keep they keep it simple. Which, again, uh, lets you fill in the blanks to the point where the Jaws theme song is, is so simple, you can learn it on the piano just figuring it out yourself. Yes, just two, two notes. notes yeah. back and forth. Yeah. But, but it works mm-hmm. because, again, simple is scarier than uh, complicated, which so many people forget. Yes, and it's interesting. Like that, When I was listening to the theme to the film, you know, there is that the scary Jaws theme, which we all remember. But then there's so much... There's so much like nautical music to it as well. When they're at sea, it's playing this very nautical sounding music, um, very influenced, I think, by Debussy's La Mer, the, his, his piece, The Ocean, obviously in French. Uh, so if you listen to that, you can hear that John Williams was borrowing a lot of stuff from that because I actually turned to my daughter when we were watching this and I said, oh, this is uh, Debussy's La Mer. I recognize this right away. She goes, Dad, you nerd. Um, <laughs> if you want, by the way, if you want to hear more of that Sneaky Dragon listening party, this is thing Dave does with his daughters all the time. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was interested, interested in that because, yes, you get, you get this very, like, very simple, very ominous music, but then you also get this lighthearted nautical music with a lot of pipes and, you know, a lot of, uh, it's interesting. It also says to uh, Spanish ladies as well. You'll, you'll mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You'll have that song stuck in your head after this movie. For a while. <laughs> well, I like how he Quint uses it as a way of. It's basically an fu to whoever he's talking to. Uh, mm. You know, it's basically just like a go away song, like get out of my face song. But it's it's very it's very good. Yes, it's interesting. And then um, the reporter in the movie uh, is played by Carl Gottlieb, who did a lot of rewrites during the actual shooting of the film as well. What? You mean the reporter who's reporting on the beach? No, not Peter, Peter. Not Peter Benchley. Okay. No, the newspaper guy. There's a newspaper oh, reporter. Oh, okay. Sorry and that's that. played by Carl Gottlieb. That was a role he chose in the film um, because he I, he was you know gets given a chance because he was an actor as well as a writer and and so yeah he uh, he did, I didn't really know much about him. He uh, co-wrote uh, David Crosby's autobiography. That's where I first kind of learned about Carl Gottlieb. But in that, he keeps talking about how he wrote Shark, I wrote Jaws. And I guess that's, you know, basically your calling card is I wrote Jaws, you know. Yeah. Okay, you can dine out on that. Yeah, I think uh, we talked, uh, I think, like a different show about this and the impact of Jaws. Everyone knew the poster. The poster was one of the best posters. Mm -hmm. Just the shark was uh, huge and terrifying. And you just got, which I guess is why Orca then did that later on and made that uh, monster way bigger than it was. Uh, but there were infinite parodies of it. It just soaked into the culture. Like yeah. everyone knew it and everyone stopped swimming afterwards. <laughs> like it just terrified people. Okay. Um, you, did you not have a, any issue with that? Well, I never saw it. I was, like, oh, okay. I was in grade five when this, not grade five, I was in grade four when this movie came out. Okay. Well, I've got like my, uh, my or maybe s- grade three actually. Yeah. I know, I know people so. that wouldn't take baths 
Like it was, it was a psycho situation mm. where it, it just uh, it just messed uh, messed people. I I had a hard time swimming in a public pool. You just like, huh? of course, there's, there's no shark, but you don't. Yeah, it's just this the this the sense around thing. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of hype and a lot of silliness about yeah. it. But uh, I, I wish I'd thought of to look this up because I was thinking about it last night. But I wonder what the 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 biggest cause of death at sea is. It's certainly not sharks. I wouldn't think. Pia, you're the shark expert. Okay, so here's the thing. There's maybe uh, like a thousand shark attacks since they started recording it in the 1600s. Okay. Uh, you average about four or five a year of attacks, yeah. but killings are very rare. Um, like in the United States, you maybe might have one every two years. Yeah. Um, as far as the most dangerous animal in the world is a mosquito. The mosquito? Yep. Malaria kills like 75,000 people a year. Okay. Well, that so, explains why I don't like mosquitoes. Yeah. So, no, sharks are, you have more chances of getting struck by lightning, getting out choking on a hot dog. Uh, it's, uh, it's sharks are, are, don't actually target people. It's usually a mistake uh, or they think it's a, it's a territorial display. Mm-hmm. Uh, people do get bit from time to time, but it's nowhere near as much as people are, are think it happens. Hmm. In fact, it's, it's sharks who have to fear us more than anything because they're about uh, sixty to one hundred and seventy-five million sharks that are pulled yeah. out of the water every year, and their populations are really getting decimated now. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Jaws because it kind of started this whole thing about you know this yeah going after this man eater that wasn't really a man eater. Okay. Now, Kaya, let me ask you this: uh, so uh, when a shark bites someone. Uh, are they are they trying to get uh, trying to eat them or what are they trying to do? Okay, so there's a few theories on this. The main one is that uh, the splashing around uh, maybe the the water is polluted enough that the shark doesn't recognize that it's not prey. He's usually going after a seal or another uh, another larger animal. Takes a bite, just a kind of exploratory bite, realizes ugh, and then runs away or swims away. So, oh, really? They don't even like the taste of people. No, they don't because it's a it doesn't it's not it doesn't We're have not fishy meat. enough for They're them. They're not fishy enough they're not enough fat mm. so they'll go after a seal because that will sustain you yeah that's a lot of especially fat. for the energy output of hunting these yeah, things yeah. Uh, another theory no it's it's not so much uh well accepted but it, the, I, there was an idea out there that some sharks may do this where they attack something they go out to see and wait for it to die and then they'll come back and eat the the corpse okay that's a well um not as well accepted another theory is that it's territorial that they are they view humans as as competitive That's uh, true. for prey. So yeah. what they'll try and do is, is threat displays and trying to get them out of their territory so they can they can hunt and feed. Yeah. 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 So the real villain, the only real villain in this is... The director uh, of the Meg. It's the director of the Meg. Yeah, that's right. Threw a couple of bucks. Jaws 3's way. Um, is, the, uh, is the mayor. It's the mayor of the town. and uh, Played by the actor who's also the uh, bad guy in Poltergeist who... Uh, oh, who um, builds the the development on the in the graveyard or the cemetery? Oh, it, that's right. It would be great if it was the same person and like it's, after, same, it's also Larry because he would have to leave. He would have to leave, you know, yeah. Anvil. Uh, he would have to uh, and uh, and change his name and gets into real estate and like oh no, not this. And then there you go. But he's not as fashion forward. 
as uh, the mayor here, who's got, uh, as Paul F. Tompkins has said, the most amazing jacket with the little anchors on it. Mm. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just a good-looking outfit. That yeah. guy is too sharp for this burg. He knows. Like that. he's he is trying to get out of here for sure. Yeah. Like he's trying to you know find find a way out. But yeah, it's the old uh, we got to make money. So uh, mm-hmm. money is more important than uh, protecting people and safety. Yes, yeah, yeah, safety. And then when the uh, mom slaps uh, Brody. Uh, just such an incredibly impactful scene. You're like, well, Brody's not the, you know what? Brody could have done more. Yeah. This is right. Brody <laughs> he says, is. he says it. He says it. She's right. Yep. She's right. Okay. That brings up another thing I would think, think about when I was watching this movie is that in the 1970s, actors were so old. Like we don't have old actors like that anymore. Playing roles like this. Playing a mom. Like um, the mom is 40. Yeah. The actress is 40. Roy Scheider is 44 for this film. They're, these are, uh, a couple, a 44-year-old man and a 40-year-old woman who have two small children. Like, no, no. It's just weird. Like, it was just a weird time. Like, you know, I, we've talked about it on, on our flagship show, Sneaky Dragon, uh, the TV show Emergency, where they'll clearly have, like, a 50-year-old man. And then they'll say, uh, patient is 35. You're like, no one's tricked by this. <laughs> no one is watching this thinking this person is actually 35. But it's just, it's weird. I guess actors are so vain. They just don't want to, they want to play their own age. They want to play younger. I look like a, a young dad with, with, uh, small children. I can play 28. No, Roy, you don't look it. You yeah, don't I do look think, it. I do think having so many character actors with, so many different faces. Yeah. You know, it's not a central casting situation. It doesn't Spielberg look like... Spielberg did not want recognizable actors no, in no. it. And yeah. the, even the extras, like all the yeah. extras didn't look like they're from L.A. They mm-hmm. looked, when I was saying like they were wearing the right bathing suits and it looked the 70s, it wasn't just the suits, it was the look of yeah. the people. Just like these... Well, a lot of people like, were locals, were locals uh, who were from Martha's Vineyard where they filmed. Uh, and they chose to film there because it had it has a super long, uh, shallow beach that goes out for miles so oh, okay. you could film and still be like walking around so the boat could look like it was out at sea but the crew could be walking around it so that was really handy i wonder uh, the only problem was they could only film in one direction because there's it's just like so busy the other direction so they everything had to be filmed facing one one way i wonder uh, what tourism was like uh, after the after the movie for that because you know you would, i'm sure cape Co- or martha's vineyard already had a pretty good uh, yeah no but when people had seen Jaws and yeah. everyone was scared of sharks, yeah. to be on the beach that mm. the shark movie that terrified you, yeah, was yeah, at, you know, yeah. it's like, well, you used to live near the Bates Motel. Well, if they, for, well, for other yeah, reasons, that's right, because they did a remake of uh, you know, thing Psycho, with the yeah. Bates Motel, mm-hmm. and so they're there. but like it would be like uh, if there was actually a Bates Motel and you would shower at the Bates Motel, it would be like a creepy thing to do. Mm. Go swimming where the shark yeah. is, even though you know it's fake, you know, it's still that would creep you out. Yeah, yeah. I just went to the Bates Motel in my in nearby and just took a water watering pot and poured it on my head. So I'm showering by the Bates Motel. <laughs> they actually did have the motel as well as the house there. So as far as uh, at the time, because I do remember this time, because I swam in those same beaches, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of people. Who, there were a lot of people who were freaked out at the uh, at the idea of sharks in the water, but that didn't really stop a lot of them because no. kids didn't see the movie and kids had to go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. And I do remember those beaches being packed all yeah. through the seventies. We 80s. never, we never stopped going to to the beach, yeah. and that was a regular weekend thing for our family when I was growing up. Was the was the beach? Yeah, it was a way to get the boys out of the house into a place where they could be wildly active and you didn't have to worry about them because they were over there being wildly active. 
Strangely enough, the one thing that did close a lot of the beaches, especially in Jersey, was the hypodermic needle scare. There was medical waste that was dumped by oh, okay. barge, and it all washed up on the shores of Asbury Park and Spring Lake and all uh-huh. those places along the shore. And uh, a lot of towns just died almost instantly. Really? Yep. And they still didn't, uh, like, Asbury Park doesn't have their amusements anymore. Like, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the big th- amusement park is gone wow. because it just affected it so negatively. Wow. So, needles over sharks. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's kind of continue on if we can with our with our discussion of the plot of the film. Okay. So, we introduced Brody. Yes, so we, the, we have him. we have our death. We have movie opens with the terrible death of this young woman. We see the drunken boy laying on the beach sleeping, which seems so dangerous. Sleeping on a beach, like the water could just like if you're dead drunk and the water just washes up around you, you're dead. Not drunk anymore, just dead. But anyway, we were, we were in uh, Hawaii last last year, and there was a oh, fellow boasting. who was like asleep. Yeah, who was asleep on the beach, and they did the thing where they kind of comb the beach in the morning and like comb the sand. And you just saw that they just went around the guy. So uh, they all, everything is uh, combed except for this one uh, one area with the guy in the in the middle of it. Yeah. But he was okay. He was far enough away from the water that he didn't. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's, it seems very. I don't know. It seems dangerous to me to sleep like that. But anyway. So so then I guess they they we meet Brody. Yes, we meet Roy Scheider's character, who lucky for him he he kind of struck it lucky in a French Connection. So he had that, and then he stumbles into Jaws. Huge hit, but I don't think it really changed his career for the better. Really, I don't. He's just a consistently he's a good, good character actor. Actor, yeah. When he was you, good in like Sorcerer, but that movie was a flop. He was in all that jazz. He's, Another flop. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it is a it is a flop, but it's a flop that I don't know. Do people judge him for? for those no, no, flops? no. I just mean, but you yeah. do kind of get you do kind of get uh, you know stained by these by sure. by being in, in movies that but are but he flops, was the kind but. of guy that you would put as a lead in a movie then but he's really he's a very such a good actor like yes. he's so he's so very good well here let's get into that let's get into like a little bit of uh, brody's character okay his family is excellent like his mm. family his relationship with his wife just yeah. where he's like checking some stuff out and then she's you know she's supportive but then goes do you want to get drunk and fool around yeah, and yeah. you're like this is a couple yeah yeah this is a couple and they may be having another kid soon we'll L- see Lorene Gary I think her name was she was actually the wife of Sid Scheinberg the president of Universal of Studios so. oh nice why did she get that job I wonder well, she, what okay fine but she also did a great job with it like I <laughs> yeah, bought she was good. I bought that fan yeah no she was good the scene my probably my favorite scene in the movie is him with his son where his son is a young son is imitating him and just uh copying his yeah 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 and this is this is so when, typical spielberg when, hey yeah when brody is is, is mm. upset over the death of the other child yeah and uh he just leans in at the end after you know goofing with the kid and just go and give me a kiss why because i need one yeah yeah and it's just like yeah he loves he loves his son and it's just yep. it's so much nicer than you know like in action movies now where you get like the bruce willis character going we're not a hugging family no, yeah we're not and it's like yeah. no like this mm. takes nothing away from him. It, it, it raises everything up that yeah. like he's got a heart and loves his family. Yeah. And because he loves his son, you can see how uh, the loss of the other child, he, he knows what that would be like. And mm-hmm. it's just like the world. Yeah. So it's just it's just so great. So yeah, they set up his family quite well. They set up the town very and, well. And uh, Spielberg is so great with like, the house is like a, a messy, noisy place. Mm-hmm. Like not like this kind of perfect, like when you watch like a TV show, like, 
I don't know, desperate housewives or whatever. The houses don't feel like anyone lives in them. No. They're just these like boxes with furniture and actors. Whereas this house, it feels like a place where people live. It's it's loud. The kids are loud. The you know the house the house is me- messy in parts of it because people live there and throw their stuff down as they walk in the door or whatever. Yeah. Like it feels like a lived in place. And there's a really great. And ex- I always like that about Spielberg. Yeah, E.T. is the same. There's a really good exposition scene with um, with Brody and the mayor. Uh, talking about shutting the beach down. Yes. Uh, after after the first death, and it takes place on a ferry, mm. and it just starts with them getting on the ferry, and they just keep keep going, and we're following. We're just the camera's locked basically. They walk forwards, which makes it a two shot. They walk back, and they almost get to the other side. They cut just a little bit beforehand, but it's just this amazing shot like it's it's so interesting to watch but you are getting all of the information that yeah. you need right now to get dumped and, and by you, the way some stellar acting mm-hmm. you know just to convey that much information that but also and get it all in that one take guys yeah yeah because we gotta have yeah. to like go all the way back and yeah well spielberg is famous for for his long shots so it's part of his style as he likes he likes long shots as in long in long uh, takes yeah takes, he likes yeah. a long involved take you know so and i and if you can do that and and you know in a, in a way that's not obtrusive it's a really great way to convey information quickly because you can have so much happening around this long take with the characters walking the you know so you right. can see you know we can see they live on an island they that's have That's right you're setting up the environment yeah, yeah. cuz as he says you know the only way cuz he's like why does someone who hates the water live on an island yeah. it's only an island if you're looking at it from the water yeah, that's right. and yeah. we're looking at it from the water in that one scene yeah, yeah, so yeah yeah no no it's very good so we set up Brody. We know that Brody is is not a he's not a he's not an islander. He's someone who's come from outside of this community. And he'll never be an islander because, as that woman says, you got to be born here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. She's probably right. She's probably right. Yeah, Seems a bunch of snobs. <laughs> Maybe it's good a couple of them get picked off. That's probably for the best. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Someone's bitter over here. Yeah, I want to be an islander. Someone was excluded at some point. All right. Fair enough. So. Are you looking for the plot? No, I'm just looking for Richard Dreyfuss's character's name. <laughs> Matt Hooper. Matt Hooper. Hooper, okay. Hooper? Yeah. Okay, I can Hooper. remember that. So yes, yeah, so name. we have this. Now, when Hooper arrives, though, he arrives in, in during a moment of great confusion, doesn't he? Is that yeah, what... everyone's going off for the $3,000 reward okay, so uh, to get the this is So so we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because we have to have Mrs. Kittner's son get killed first before the $3,000 yeah. reward comes. So... Yeah, uh, Brody wants to shut the beach down. The mayor, we can't shut the beach down, yeah. so they don't shut the beach down. But they're going to keep an eye on it. Yeah. So you got a, the scene with Brody on the beach, just trying to watch yes. the water as we are trying to watch the water. Mm-hmm. But people keep bothering him with island nonsense. <laughs> yeah. And this is that happening. And then we have one of those those the my first time I ever saw it in my life. The great that great camera pullback zoom in. I don't know what it's called, but the camera zooms in on the face. And but what's Tracking. that? It's a tracking zoom? Tracking zoom? Yeah, because the camera tracks back, but it simultaneously zooms into the actor's face. So you get this effect of... And it's a great way to like show moments of tension because the, the actor's face you know, gets larger in the frame, but the background recedes. And so, it's, it's, so you get the... Or it doesn't recede. The background group gets bigger, and the actor's face fills the screen at the same time. It's right. a very off-putting thing and very... And, and uh, yeah... So it's very is, great. Yeah, this is when the, the when he realizes the you. yes, he realizes that after a couple happening. of fakeouts, after a couple of fakeouts, and we get yeah. that fountain of blood in the water. Yeah, which is really great as well, uh, because 
it's not, once again, it's not gruesome. It's just suggestive of gruesomeness. You know, like we don't see arms and legs flying out of the water. We don't have, you know, you just. And because you've already seen the thing with the woman off the top. Mm-hmm. You know, once you again, did. you didn't really see very much there either. Yeah. Like, so the, it's, it's once again just suggested. We see her body on the beach, part of her body on the beach, but it's just suggested. We see a little bit of her in the, in the, during the autopsy. Once again, it's not, not a lot. Um, yeah, so Mrs. Kittner's son, I just feel sorry for that little boy and also for her. It's once again, well played, well played by the actress who apparently, um, when she was slapping Roy Scheider, could not fake it. She had to actually slap him. So she had to slap him several times to get the, the take, sure. right? But that was the only way she could get that, you know, she just couldn't fake it. So yeah, interesting. And I guess Roy Scheider said, that's fine. Don't worry. Slap away. Let's get this right. Yeah. And then we get the scene, um, where, uh, it's the it's kind of town meeting. Yes. Of what to do about this? And there and the uh, and the mayor and uh, and the town of Amity. That Amity, yeah. Uh, are there's a little bit of joking about it, whether or not the three thousand dollars that she's offering will be cash or check, and they have a little bit of a laugh. Mm. And the and the woman who uh, was like, "You're not an islander unless you were born here." Is like, "Well, I don't think that's funny at all." Yeah. Which is you get a little bit of that in this. A yeah. couple people say that line through. Well, I don't think this is funny. That's not a thing to laugh at. Which yeah. is, I think you can do in a movie. You can get your joke, and as long as you have someone say that's not funny. Well, you got your laugh, <laughs> but then you also you said, your... you know, it's not appropriate. Sure. That's where we first meet uh, uh, Quint. First, Quint. we first meet Quint. Yeah, with his f- fantastic finger scratching on the chalkboard. Yeah, I thought he must have long fingernails because I I couldn't do that with my fingernails. I just all you get was this the sound of my fingers rubbing down the yeah. It, it, the chalkboard. He must have good nails. For yeah. That. Well, he's yeah. got those manly hands. He does. He does, have he does hold Richard Dreyfus' hands later and goes, "I know when your hands are good." Which, like all Richard you, Dreyfus should have said, "Listen, actor, let me see your hands." Oh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, what he needed at the time was he needed just a, a record playing and then just the record scratch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like, you Needle might be drop. wondering what I'm doing here. Needle drop. That's right. <laughs> I feel good. No, it wouldn't be that. So he, I don't think that's he wants a, He wants $3,000. Well, he wants more than that. Well. He's not going to risk his life for $3,000. For $3,000, he's going to find the shark. <clears throat> that's right. But you, if know, you want him to you kill want it. 10000 And for that, you're going to get the head. Isn't it two hundred dollars a day and ten thousand dollars? I think it was. I think it was ten thousand dollars. I don't remember the two hundred dollars a day. Uh, but you're going to get the head. You're yeah. going to get the tail. You're going to get the whole thing. Yeah, that's what you're going to get. Good deal. <laughs> I guess that's good. Yeah, get the head and the tail. But before this can happen, uh, we get the scene of the the mayhem of all these non islanders arriving to yeah. go out for this. For this, it's close uh, to a mad, 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 mad this world bounty. where they're all running that's, out for the trip. That's right. We got seven people in one boat, and uh, Brody's very concerned about the safety of all these Let's just yahoos. assume everyone we see in that scene is dead by the end of the movie, and that we just didn't have time to film it. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah this on their own. Like, there wasn't even the shark. They just ran into yeah, each yeah, other in the water. Dopes, exploding boats. Drinking, and just, they fell off the boat. That's right. A couple they, of them ate each other and then pretended the shark did it. <laughs> they just want to experiment with cannibalism. <laughs> Two German guys? Sure. Oh. So they're the worst. Well, that's what that's that was the actual. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, but also the joke about they're the worst. They're the worst. Yeah, that's the okay. thing. All right. Well, I don't think that's funny at all. <laughs> Lucky you were here to say that about that person's joke that he made. <laughs> um, took the edge off. So yes. So then we have the arrival of of Hooper, who has come 
Is he invited by Brody to come, or does he discuss? Yes, Brody yes. did because uh, when he finally gets Brody alone, he's he's. Uh, I'm looking for uh, Brody, and he's ah, oh, the person we we okay. asked for. Finally, yeah. someone I can use here. Yeah, in yeah. This town of boobs. <laughs> yeah, everyone's, who knows everyone's an idiot. He's got to like throw like nuts or something at his window to get his uh, deputy's attention. <laughs> I assume the deputy dies too. I assume everyone we don't see at the end has, has been eaten by a shark. The deputy in the movie, actual actual resident of the town. Oh, is that right? Of, oh, he does a good of, job of uh, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, he's you know they they meet and uh, he wants to um, see the body. So it's time to to have that first autopsy that we we're talking about. Mm, mm. And uh, is so put off by it, he's a drink of water and he's to splash his face. It's like. It's impactful, which is great because he is such a Weisenheimer kind of character that if he didn't care about her and it di- if it didn't impact him more than everyone else, yeah. you would not like him as a character. But, but when you see that, one, yeah. he knows what went down. Sure. Uh, he's got a heart and, uh, and now we've got a nice full character. Just part of, yeah, just another example of the skill put into this film of, of, of Spielberg's understanding of what of the structure that he's of the of the film it almost seems like he had like an innate understanding of how to get across what he was aiming for because the idea that you know carl gottlieb is there at night writing uh stuff for the next day throughout the film it that would when you hear that you think oh that must have been like chaos but at the same time spielberg must have had like an overarching sense of what he wanted and so gottlieb's rewrites were just there to kind of smooth out some of the you know and to incorporate uh improv that happened as well during the during the film so if they had rehearsals and things were said that they liked they would incorporate them into the the screenplay i assume like uh, appealing to moviegoers you got quint you got hooper you got brody yeah uh as a fella you relate to one of them who are you are you the dad are are you the tough guy are you like you know you bring your dad to the movies and he's that guy you can relate to the veteran who's like ah enough of this or are you the weisenheimer kind of nerdy guy Mm. you know there's someone there's someone can i be all three sure you can uh but there's someone that you can identify with and uh and imprint on which works yeah and you also learn from that that brody does know what he's talking about so he's not just an entitled you know, Brody or Hooper? Oh, sorry, Hooper. Yes, uh, smarty yeah. pants. Because they do bring up, and it, it, I guess it kind of puts shed some light on his character in a way. Uh, maybe it's just an excuse for him to have like a shark cage and stuff like that. But they do mention that he is from from wealth, that he had had a silver spoon in his mouth. Yeah, that he doesn't have to be doing this, but that he does it because he loves it. And so it does give a yeah, it does kind of fill out his character a little bit. Well, everyone's got something that happened in their past that messed them up so much. That it put them on this boat by the end, and they're what all was Hooper's? Uh, Hooper's was uh, when he was a kid. Uh, a shark tore apart a boat that he was was oh, on. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and uh, that changed that changed his life forever, and that's why he, he cares about uh, sharks. Shark expert, come over here for a second. Yes. Is that uh, something that would likely happen? Would a shark tear apart a boat? Uh, well, this was a how he described it was a little mako shark, and so yeah, if you if it's thrashing about, okay. Uh, for one thing, there's their skin is like sandpaper. Yes, it's yes, pretty rough. Right. It's, yeah. uh, it's full of these really cool scales called tentacles that are almost like teeth in themselves. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, you don't want to brush against them. Um, mm. But yeah, if if it's a little tiny boat, because he said it was a tiny boat. This was a kid's boat. Okay. And he he landed this mako. And okay, so he was fishing in the ripped apart the boat. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it's very possible. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So all three of them have their baggage uh, that they're dealing with, mm. and uh, you know when when we're on the boat, we're going to deal with uh, all of it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So 
okay, so Hooper and Brody, do they go do they go to Quint then? Is that their their after they So okay, no no. So what happens next is they catch the shark. Right. They catch a shark. And everyone's excited because they've caught the shark. Yeah, it's the end of the movie. I guess then the credits the end. In their sense that sharks aren't very common in this in this area of and that makes sense to me that um, this Martha's Vineyard that we have a sense that this is like I always think of it as like a New England town, not as a not not a southern place because they talk about Florida later later on as being somewhere else. So you got, to me, it's like some sort of New England town. So caught a lot, yeah, that's right. And so and so that seems to be in those days before our current the way that our climate is changing. But in those days, you know, sharks weren't thought to go that that far north. It was too, the water was too warm for them or too cold, cold for them yeah. to to be to be there. So I guess to the, these people, it's like, why would there be sharks around here? This must be the only one because we don't really see them very commonly. So we caught it. Hooray for us. Do you it's think, all said and done. Meanwhile, Hooper is measuring its mouth and shaking his head saying, that's nice, Right. Not. Now, do you think that something has happened in this environment to attract two different sharks to this area? Because that's, that's an odd coincidence mm-hmm. that sharks would know. I th- my theory would be, and I would like to hear yours afterwards, is that uh, some of the guys went farther than they should have. What, the sharks? Uh, went far- the guys went farther out than, they, than was in the, in the area to find the shark. Oh, okay. They just found a shark. Okay, that's and possible. And then brought the shark in and cashed in the, the money. Like, when they do show, like, the license plate and everything like that, I guess they do kind of establish what path it was on. Mm-hmm. But it's an odd coincidence that two sharks were there. But what do what did you uh, do? Hooper does mention off the bat that these are very common sharks, like threshers. Like the yeah. one that they caught was a was a thresher, I believe, yeah. or a bull. Oh, okay. but yeah, it's very, it's but great whites that are the ones that don't tend to go into colder waters. There are sharks that are more common in cold water. So, do you think uh, after this movie is over and the credits roll? Do I think? All right, just uh, so the fellows that cashed in the three thousand dollar check. Yeah. Uh, when they find out there was another shark yeah. that was the shark, yeah. and they get the news of that, do they have to pay the money back because this wasn't the shark? Because that that nice lady uh, gave them $3,000 for yeah. a shark that in no way had anything to do with uh, the death of her uh, her son. Uh, okay. That's shameful money I'm gonna, to, uh, I'm gonna, to have kept. I'm going to say this. Yeah. If they were local, yes. If they weren't local, no. Oh, if they're islanders. If they're islanders, they'll give it they back. They were born there. If they were born there. in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something about the shark. He wasn't born there. No, he's, he's not an islander. He's not, well, he tried to be, and that's what made him mad because they went like, I like to be an islander. And they went, you can't, Jaws. And he went, I'll show you. Like to see that. And yeah. then he went and he ate the lady. He said, aren't you upset about it? And he said, big boys don't cry. <laughs> big boys don't cry. Sorry, that's just a reference to uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> there was a radio uh, DJ who put out a a uh, yes, a parody or like a a novelty forty five called Mister Jaws. Sure was where he played a reporter. Look it up. Interviewing, <laughs> I have the forty five at home actually. Right. Uh, he played a um, played this interview or interviewing Jaws, and the the hilarity of it is that he intersperses songs from that time that time popular yeah. songs into it. So, for instance, nobody likes you, Mister Jaws. You know, everyone's mad at you. What do you have to say about that? Why can't we be friends? Why? So they would just yeah. intersperse these little songs. So that, why do you eat people? Because that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Thank you. Uh-huh, that's a good uh-huh. another good and, one. And, yeah. Uh, there was another novelty song that was uh, that was done by Phil Sabbath and uh, some friends. It was a, a, a producer I used to work with and a uh, really nice guy. Uh, Santa Jaws. Okay. That uh, you might also uh, want to want to look up. I see. Uh, this is all on your YouTubes. I and let me say, both of those songs, as 
mm, as they are, yeah. are still better than Jaws 3 and 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Jaws, but I think his name was Dickie Goodman. Some kind of name like that. Ooh. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Dick-named uh, fellas that mm. we've been bringing up. Sure. Yeah. So, now, like we say, Hooper does not actually believe that this shark was... No. Was, and he, yeah. wants, he wants to open it up on the dock and, take, and start looking inside it. And Brody and everyone else, right, and the mayor, rightfully points out, let's not do that here. Right. But also, there's the guys who uh, brought in the shark don't want that because they want to get their money. Yeah. And this guy's getting bullied pretty good by, by people. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, what's a, what's a good uh, restaurant or hotel? Just keep walking straight ahead, which he would walk <laughs> up the dock and into the sea. It's like, okay, fellas, geez. You know, he's, he's, he's a bit of a nerd. And, uh, you know, yeah. uh, the islanders are not the kindest people there. But who knows if they're islanders? They That's be, right. They, they would have to be born there. <laughs> but it has to be you could because we established that there's like a whole a whole bunch of yahoos have descended True. on the town in order to get this three thousand dollar bounty on the shark. Right. So so we don't know if they're you know. Well, Brody uh, asks the deputy to to talk with like you know these people talk to them and it's like I don't know these people. None of these people are from here. They yeah. all came in. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We know that all these people are from outside. Yeah. True. Yeah, Ian. And so uh, so I guess we just cut then to the night and. Hooper and Brody are in a warehouse of some sort, of some sort of storage place, and they are cutting into this uh, shark, which is really unpleasant now because the shark has been uh, out for a while and has started to smell like a guest. Shark, you know, shark smell after two days. Right. The, uh, because they have certain chemicals in their liver that acts as a swim bladder, like other fishes that uh, that use gases to be buoyant. Okay. Liver, their livers of sharks usually have a lot of oils and also a lot of waste, urea and things like that, mm. that they use to, to remain buoyant. And uh, what happens with a lot of sharks when they die off is that that all that concentrated chemicals uh, get, kind of releases and they smell heavily of, of, of ammonia. Oh, okay. So oh, interesting. that's what, what they're probably dealing Are they full of essential oils? <laughs> what is the country that uh, has the... Um, the the, the 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 shark meat that is fermented in its own like that juices. is the that is the specific that so very similar to what I'm talking about that has the highest concentrations of this thoralamine I think it's called it's a really specific uh, what the Greenland shark oh, okay. and they're one of the longest living sharks in uh, longest living living vertebrates period okay they can go to about four to five hundred years mm. and they don't even become wow. sexually mature <clears throat> until 150 and that's well, unlike, there's hope for me yet yes <laughs> but regular great whites they live average. 30 to 40 years maybe 20 to 4 30 uh but yeah the greenland shark is highly toxic you can't just eat it right off you have to have it fermented or boiled or specially treated huh. or you will get very very sick huh interesting one of those stunt foods like blowfish or something i guess mm-hmm. so um hooper discovers in his a quick and disgusting autopsy that although the Although this shark has eaten a tin can and uh, like a, a, paint, a paint bucket and a Florida license plate, he has not he has not uh, eaten a child because nope. because the thought was that I guess how, he mentions how long it takes for a shark to digest something I can't remember very slow. yeah it's very slow okay so and I guess that's good for sharks because then that means that you know it's hard for them to get food. In the oceans, but when they do, it, it lets them keeps them going for a few days while their body slowly me, digests. Uh, can I ask you a uh, shark-related question here? Which is because there's a lot of times where like the shark will eat something and then go after another thing to eat more, and it feels like the shark should be full at this point and just be like done. Or is that how sharks work? Or well, no? I, 
I'm, that I'm not really sure of, but I would imagine that they get full just like any other animal. Uh, if they're if they're behaving territorial, however, they may attack regardless of whether they're full or not. Well, sharks have really short intestines, uh, so it, it it's not like us where we have all this you know space to kind of digest things, break down. Yeah. But they do have a spiral staircase kind of formations inside that short intestine, so it kind of travels around in a spiral as it goes. But it does take a long time for for stuff huh. to digest, and they do eat a lot of garbage. I mean, they just eat anything that gets in their face. Huh. And so it can be uh, it can be fishes, it can be mollusks, things in the sand. A lot of like the vast majority of sharks eat stuff that's on the sea seabed. Uh. There's only like four to twelve species that actually go after really big p- things like people and and, and other like uh, seals and things like that. Yeah. And that's the bull, the tiger, the white tip, and the white great white. Uh. So, but uh, the vast majority of us, sorry, I keep bumping that, are these like skates and rays and bottom dwellers that just like dig around the sand. Uh, okay. They can actually um, sense their yeah. movements through their electrical muscles. Mm. Like they have this really cool, I'm going to diverge here for a second. There's a really cool uh, sensor in their nose and it's a, they have pores that are filled with oil and they're called the ampullae of Lorenzini. And what they do is they're incredibly sensitive to electrical impulses. So normally when we move our muscles, our brains are sending electrical signals to move those muscles. And uh, when you're in the water, because it's saline and, and uh, has, it's very conductive, all those, uh, that, those impulses don't just stop in your muscle, they go off into the surrounding water. So the, the sharks sense that. They can sense the little movements of fish their lateral line sensors that run along the side of their body can sense the movement of threshing a fish from two kilometers away. Wow. They also have an incredible sense of smell that can detect one drop in a million of, uh, of, of seawater. Yeah. So uh, incredible hunters. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, and I'm just thinking, in fact, there's oh, sorry. books in, in this movie that say those kind of things like the thrashing fish uh, that Brody's reading up on. I was just going to suggest that um, it's kind of like mink. If you if a mink goes into a hen house, they will just kill all the chickens in the hen house. They don't even eat them all. They just kill them all. And I think it's just a, a blood frenzy because they their instincts are when if there's blood to get, you know, to just kill what they can. I think sharks would be the same. If there's blood around, they're just going to bite and, and get as much as they can, even though they can't eat it, possibly eat it all. Their, their instinctual drive is to, like, eat because that's what they need. And so they're not, they're, you know, they're just not... They're obviously not pausing like humans would to go, do I need to eat more? You know, like... This is their yeah, dessert. I already filled up on license plate. They're eating machines, right? And so, this license that's plate right. is going to hurt when I poop it out. There's no two ways about this. That is not that's, a good day for, right. for me as a shark coming up. But they don't generally go just after after people, because the thing is, because there's so few people attacked, so you kind of get a sense that even if they are hearing people thrashing about, yeah. they're not going after them. So there is some kind of distinction there mm-hmm. of where they hear stuff, but like, no, that's a competitor, or no, that that's, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's actually threatening them, they're not going to mm-hmm. get in your face. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although in the story of the Indianapolis, which I believe is a true story, yes. there were shark uh, sharks attacking people. It was in the yeah. middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would imagine that you're probably dealing with a lot of sharks mm. in really warm waters who are also very hungry. And yeah. that's over several days. So, yeah, they're going to just pick yeah. away. And then there's blood in the yes. water because there's injuries from people yes. from an attack on a boat. And then you just end up with... And the... those were, I believe, tiger sharks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are yeah. one of the, the four that, that yeah. don't mind going. Well, they're tigers. Yes. Yeah. So, where, so we have uh, Hooper. And I guess we decide... Now, now they know that this shark was not the... Was not the, yep, the attacker. No dice. So I guess Brody goes back to the mayor. I think so, yeah. And just tries to talk to Larry 
and say, you know, we've, you know, we, yeah, yeah, the billboard that someone has uh, graffitied up and uh, oh, that's says, right, yeah, uh, yeah, help a shark, yeah, and yeah. Uh, mentions those proportions are right, says uh, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> so, so you know, Richard Dreyfus did it. Let's just say that he's bragging about his uh, art that he did. Yes, and. Once again, Larry is not keen because this is their July 4th weekend. This is their big money spinner for the year. And I imagine that because this is a beach-based economy, they have a, a limited window when they can make money. And the rest of the year, they just spend the money that they, you know, they eke out their living over the time. We did miss something. I'm was, sorry. Which was the scene where Brody and Hooper go out uh, together. Hmm. Uh, and uh, check out a, a half-sunken vessel. Oh, okay, this is happening already. Okay. And that's where, yeah, Brody goes into the... Sorry, Hooper goes into the water and uh, sees the uh, the corpse and yes. uh, it drops the drops the tooth. So, yeah, so we also missed the fact that the... No, I guess we didn't miss that part. But what's it, here's an interesting fact about that sequence was that was that they filmed it, and then when, when Spielberg watched the film, he thought they missed the ch- missed a chance there. He felt like we could have had a bigger scare. And so they filmed that sequence in a swimming pool, uh, in a local swimming pool. And they just put a bunch of powdered milk into the water to make it murky. And just had the boat floating in this pool and just had this head roll. And that's how they, they filmed that sequence, which yeah. I think is great. It's probably not even Richard Dreyfuss in, in the Yeah, in that the, felt di- very Raiders, seat. that uh, that head reveal there. So when the so when they are trying to convince the mayor, uh, you know, of, of, of the situation that, that the shark is still out there. Oh, and by the way, Spielberg spent $3,000 to film that sequence because the studio would not give him the money for it. Oh. And so he just took his own money and he he paid to do that sequence. So uh, was that, uh, is there any coincidence that it was $3,000? And $3,000 is what's considered an incredible amount of money in this movie. No, I, th- I mean, I guess it is coincidence, unless you think there's some sort of uh, divine it's intervention a, in this movie. No, I'm just saying, like, it's or a, you it's have to have religious. A you have a, do you have a jaws based religion, Ian? That's what I'm asking. What I'm saying is, it's an odd amount of money for a mom to go like, I'm going to. Uh, the movie had already been shot by this point. All right. So he's watching. He's watching. Cut, he's watching the cut. Uh, at, the editor of this film, Verna Fields, uh, does a fantastic job, by the way, with with what she was given, which wasn't a lot of. There was a lot of stuff that you know, like they're they're shooting. Basically, they were shooting for they were they had twenty hour days and they were getting four hours of filming done uh, in many cases. So she wasn't getting a lot of of stuff to work with. And what she what she got out of this movie is pretty amazing. What she put together is, is a you know really good job with the editing. I think good on you. Yeah, uh, but the mayor ain't Burn buying it. it, and he's looking for any excuse to keep things open. So it's like, I, we found this shark's tooth. Yeah. Well, could I see it? Well, I dropped it. Ah, oh, did you? Well, that's a damn shame. So we're gonna keep things open. And uh, and uh, dummy dumb dumb mayor, uh, you know, is uh, is uh, you know screwing things up. Uh, a couple of kids do a little shark prank, uh, making everyone think that there's a shark. Oh, that's a terrible, terrible joke. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a funny, mean joke that you could think kids would definitely do, uh, but it's a bit of a distraction there uh, because uh, uh, you know the the shark has actually made its way into what would you call it the the pond. The pond? That's uh, that's off to the side, and that's where uh, Brody's son is uh, on a boat with his uh, his friends. And they, there's yes. a woman who's like calling, like shark, 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 and everyone's like, "Nope, this is a wolf situation. No one's no one's buying it." Until you know, Brody kind of like, "I don't know, I'm not sure," and then starts running faster and faster and realizes the situation. Yeah, there's a there's a guy who tries to help the kids, and uh, for his troubles, he is eaten, and that is where we see the leg. Uh, float down to that would actually be a good like we we sometimes like to collect props from things 
Uh, I don't want to uh, brag, but the Triple X sequel, we have some of the uh, knives from that. Okay. So, yeah, don't want to brag. Um, Please don't. But that leg would be a great thing to have. Yes, that leg, that that, uh, that poor guy, he was just going to check on how the kids were doing. Yeah. uh, You guys all right? What's going on? Oh, geez. Oh, I'm being eaten. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. I'm an Islander forever. You'll never be one. You weren't born here. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's an Islander now. He's he's part of the island. He sure is. Yeah. And like, you know, some nice fish are living in his leg. It's all fine. <laughs> There's a hermit crab yeah. using his femur. So uh so so yeah. So then it's uh it's it's time for the uh for the team up uh with uh Quint Brody and uh, Hooper. You know, because mm. uh, listen, that's enough of that nonsense. My kid was in danger. Yeah, you know, yeah. it ain't some kid that's just got two lines. That's my a, my son has a couple of lines in this. That's segment. a good scary sequence as oh. well. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. Uh, Roy Scheider running to, to over there, and it's, uh, it's great. A really great, great. fake out. Like uh, you, you see uh, his son at like being uh, being approached by the shark and then passing, and you see his close up. Yeah, and then you cut later to when they're pulling everybody out of the water. And you see him being dragged, and they they yeah, that's right. linger yeah. until they yeah. come around, and then you see, oh, his legs are still on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's just like, and oh. they even they even have a shot of his legs, so yeah. that you can, oh, his legs yeah. are there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Roy, and you know, uh, he's got two sons, so we could lose one. That's fine. Mm. That'd be good for this kind of movie, I right? I don't think you understand how it works. All right. I just think in an exploitation movie, you killed my son, now I'm a-coming for you. Mm. That would be the angle to play. But we no. don't want that because we like him as a family man. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a good yeah, angle. Yeah, and play. he would not die yeah. until Jaws 4. <laughs> Afraid. <sighs> Where the shark is psychic and some other <laughs> shit. And it, it takes away from later. Um, you have this whole sequence of them doing the, the shark hunt, and it's got lively, adventurous music. You can't do that if the kid's dead. Yes. You, you, you're, they're on yeah, adventure. and Brody probably wouldn't even go on the shark hunt if yeah. if if his son died. You couldn't you couldn't make it work as a as a movie yeah. that way. Yep, agreed. So off they go uh, to hunt the shark, and uh, and this is where that part of the movie takes place. That was Steven Spielberg's favorite part of the movie. Yes, this is what he was aiming to do, I and mean, I think that's probably why it's the majority of the film of as them on their boat. Uh, even though it was so hard to do and took so many days to do, and they, the movie, its budget ballooned by three times during this part. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. This movie was budgeted for, I think, three and a half million dollars was its budget. Mm-hmm. It ended up costing nine million, which at the time was a lot of money. This sure, is not it's more than three thousand, which is the uh, biggest amount yeah, yeah. people can imagine. Yeah, well, people on an island, Ian. <laughs> but uh, so, but I mean, the movie made four hundred seventy million dollars. Like, so that $9 million investment, even though at the time people were really worried. In fact, the executives flew out to Martha's Vineyard to check on the, shoot, the, the production because they were concerned, like, why it was taking so much time and what was happening. And they got there and they see Spielberg and he's, you know, trying to wrangle all this stuff. He's looking at stuff through his viewfinder, you know, and they just went, oh, it's fine. They got back in the plane and left. There's no cocaine here. There's no there's no <laughs> prostitutes on the set. This is fine. They're already dealing with Sam Peckinpah. They're dealing with you know all these like, prima donna directors who are out of control all over the place. And they're that was what really what they were worried about was just that all this money was going up someone's nose. And so then they went there and looked around. They went, oh, this guy's just a nerd. Yeah, what's That's- all this white powder? <laughs> well, we're making it in a swimming pool is to make water murky. All right then. Well, that happened in L.A. Story checks out. That happened in Story L.A. Story checks out. Yeah. That part of it, yeah, they were already back, but they were not on location anymore. Right. So Quinn thinks that the, according to Wikipedia, uh, thinks the shark is twenty-five feet, uh, weighing three tons, and uh, you know, and uh, ends up. Uh, there's a there's a great scene where he's like fishing for it, 
and then you see all the procedure of like moving the line out yeah. and uh, you know strapping himself in mm-hmm. and what you would do to it's, it's just nice detail I like, like that you really, too yeah you really get a good sense of uh, what the boat is how much space is in the boat what's in every place in the boat yeah. and then he knows what he's doing as well right like he his character has humorous elements to him but he's not played for laughs and he's not made, he's not a, a goof or anything he's uh, he's good at his job he's a he is a bona fide shark hunter. We see in his, you know, in his shop or whatever that it's, you know, littered with sh- with shark jaws that, and he's right. boiling some. He's boiling some in, in on, on a Though pot. So he's clearly to, an island weirdo. Like he is not someone that you would you would uh, like go up and go. Hey. Let's, let's invite Quint to the park. Like the, you would just go like, okay, yeah, kids. But once you know his backstory, you know why. Yeah, when I know, and when he says to him, you all know me. It's like, mm-hmm, that's the kind of thing a guy says sure. that no one wants to be around. Yeah, yeah. And like, we accept that you're here. Yeah, you yeah. were born here, so you're an islander. Sure, sure. Um, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a crazy. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's local a, crazy, but he can, he can kill he knows, a shark. Yeah, he knows. So his let's job. get the shark killing crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he knows his job. Some of the movie goes horror to old man. Yeah, it does. It does very old man in the sea. It changes tone considerably. And Quint is very fatherly towards Brody, and he has this, this kind of clash with uh, with Hooper because it's got like the working class hero versus the the rich, you know, social uh, the rich ac- the rich ac- dilettante academic. Yeah, yeah. So it's just this really neat dynamic between the three of them. Mm-hmm. There, it just totally changes the movie. And he is fatherly to him until he takes a bat to the radio. Yeah, that's not so fatherly. Yeah. Although my dad regularly smashed the radio with a baseball bat when I think about it. Oh. Just, that's how he turned it off. Oh. At night. Okay. Say, well, enough of listening to the football game. Take the took out the bat and smashed Wild the radio. Well, dressed as Batman for some reason. <laughs> well, a bat boy. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the uh, the he's 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 fishing and uh, the shark snaps the line. It's like this shark is bigger yeah. than we thought. This shark is bigger than so so. I, okay, I remember the sequence. Do they ever state the actual size of the shark? Yeah, uh, first Hooper says that's a twenty footer, and then uh, Brody says, Brody, or sorry, the uh, Quinn says twenty five feet. Twenty five, yeah. But and, that's not right. Uh, you mean in real life? No, no, I mean in real in the movie. Isn't it bigger than twenty five feet? Um, I think that's what they they only estimate that they've said they didn't. Yeah, I don't remember them. It okay, afterwards, okay. But it's, it's a big, it's a big shark, even though it's uh, not in, in remotely anything what you would find in real life. So how how big would a great white great sharks normally average be? Average between eleven and sixteen feet. Okay, and go as high as twenty was the the longest that ever recorded. Okay. And in fact, the Matawan killer was only seven feet. Seven oh wow! Feet well, I guess when it's swimming in fresh water, it must yeah. have had to be small anyway. It's just more a case of. Well, it was uh, more of an estuary. It, it was a, it was oh, okay. a, an ocean fish, but oh, it just okay. came inland, which is why it was so. Oh, I shouldn't say freshwater, but yeah, it was yeah. in a yeah in in an inland place. Although we get a bit of that with Jaws as well, where he swims into the so-called right. close-off part of the bay, yeah. where, where he's not going to go in there. Oh, he did go in there. Yeah. Well, one of the sorry, one of the Please. key things about the Madawan story, which inspired Benchley, was wasn't just the attacks; it was the fact that it also affected this, these resort towns. Yeah, uh, New Jersey is really well known for these resort towns. Mm. They're everything to these people. The people uh, that you have uh, vacationers that come in from the big city, uh, and these events really affected the economy that mm. year. So he, I think, he was more focused on how these things affected the little city, and uh, not just the uh, the horrors of of these attacks. So it's like. Like you see a lot of these callbacks every now and then. It's it's pretty cool. And so they uh, they all bond uh, while uh, while hunting the shark. Yeah, uh, there's they a, set up the relationships. Yeah, bonding um, sequences. Hooper, sure. Hooper gains the respect 
of Quint, it feels like, uh, you know, starts to like him because he's, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, uh, the, the big bonding scene, of course, is the famous scene that just rips off Lethal Weapon 2, which is, uh, which is terrible, where they show each other the scars. You know, it's, it's just like Mel Gibson and Rene Russo, you know, come oh. on, guys. We all know that's the classic. Yeah. Now you guys are trying to, like, sure. copycat it. <laughs> Whatever, but it's, it's still fine. Hmm. Yeah, and clerks as no, well. No, 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 no. Sorry, chasing Amy. Chasing Amy, exactly. That's what we. That's what, you know. Stop ripping off Chasing Amy Jaws. <laughs> they use the same yeah. lighting, the table. Yeah. It felt. It felt like. Uh, it. It did feel like um, almost a scene in a uh, in a play or something. It was a real good actory scene. Like it was. A, it, it, it played a again, lot of different. It's levels. a long take. It's basically just the camera looking at Quint with Richard Dreyfuss in the background, look doing a great job of. Like of acting, like acting, reacting. Yes, yeah. Uh, Richard Dreyfus yeah. watching Quint is, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes it. He's freaking out. The story. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, um, and I, uh, so one thing we we've sort of skipped over the their attempts to, so Quint's method is to harpoon the shark. Yeah, with barrels, and then use a barrel as as a, as a way to track it, or as a way to yeah. slow it down, to wear it down. Yeah. So one barrel is going to be enough for for twenty foot. And you can also spot footer. it, though. That's the thing too. When yeah. the barrel comes up, mm-hmm. you know the shark mm-hmm. is in the area. But one barrel isn't enough. We learned the no. shark, can, the shark yeah. can take that barrel and leave town. And by the way, they should have had a bigger boat, according to uh, ah, Brody, a, a couple of times. An improvised line uh, that uh, Roy Scheider said on, on, while they were filming wasn't in the script. And when it was shown in the theater, uh, when it was they were doing the previews, Spielberg realized that it was a great line, but that it was obscured. So he recut the sequence to make that the line more uh more audible and more more uh you know sort of uh face forward so that the audience could hear it have we passed by him chumming the water yes we have okay that is because that's when he says it he's chumming the water that's that's absolutely right bruce suddenly appears yeah in the water amazing scene yeah just you don't expect even though it's it's clearly set up that something's going to appear in that Mm. corner uh but then when the shark appears i i I kept saying to pia people in the 70s must have lost their damn minds like they they got nothing i can't imagine i so wanted to see this film as a a kid it's you know as typical of of my precocious self was that i was more much more interested in adult movies and things than i was in what was uh, was available for me as a kid to see but my parents were dead set against me seeing that movie and I never did get to see it at the time, but it would have been so interesting to see that film in its time. I mean, you know, like there were ki- there were people that I knew, like teenagers that I knew who saw it, who were you know loved it, but I never got the opportunity to see it at the time. Just another bitter. Oh, didn't get to see Alien in the theater. Didn't get to see Bad News Bears in the theater. Stupid parents. That's the scar that you hold. That's a scar. Yeah, you're going to reveal to people. Uh, talk about like like you know abuse of parents, but look at that. My parents wouldn't let me go to see movies. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The, uh, on that, about um, how audiences reacted, this, as well as Exorcist, was one of the few first case studies that showed like actual neuroses that recurred as a result of watching this film. Yeah, well, people, so, were, people were at literally vomiting in the theater while watching uh, Exorcist, which is amazing. Once again, amazing. I mean, I guess, once again, I've never seen the theater, so I imagine it's a much more immersive uh, experience. So I can see that if someone is you know, literally spraying vomit out of their mouths at, you know, at the screen. Yeah, you're not that you used would, to that. Yeah, that you're going to also suddenly feel the urge to vomit yourself. So, sure. you know, I could see that as, like a, yawning, as a possible reaction. Yawning, exactly. There is video of people reacting to that yeah. movie. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the thing. Roy Scheider got to star in William Friedkin's next film, The Flopperoo Sorcerer, which is a movie that sounds like it's going to be a continuation of, of The Exorcist or a, like 
also be supernatural in origin when it's actually uh, a remake of The Wages of Fear about guys driving trucks full of dynamite through through the South American jungle. Mm. But it called it Sorcerer, and everyone got confused, and they went to see it. They're like, where's the Sorcerer? And then there's like one little scene in the film where it shows the, tr- the front of the truck, and it says written Sorcerer on the truck. <laughs> so you know the truck was named Sorcerer. Like is, isn't the boat called Orca in this? Yeah, the boat is called Orca. Yeah, that's right. That's a, yeah, that's a little when they do Orca the movies. Like, All right, so Pia, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, what you were saying before, uh, Ian, the orca. Why was the boat called the orca? So I thought this was pretty obvious, but uh, I'm going to mention it. Um, the orca is the only predator that a shark has. Uh, orcas yeah. are very, very good shark hunters. Mm. And so you would imagine that Quint, being a shark hunter himself, would call his boat, boat the orca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. There's, a really cool there's nothing too obvious for us, by the way. No, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's a really cool thing that orcas do because uh, uh, they have a long generations like thousands of years of rivalry with sharks that started with megalodons um the meg the meg <laughs> uh but that was they went extinct about a little over two million years ago okay and uh, up until then it, it was largely because of climate change so the the ocean like the, the climate got cooler so we had don't believe snow it with the poles and all the water kind of went to the ice okay and so the 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 water level shrank, which caused a land bridge to form between North and South America, mm. which kind of broke, cut off a lot of access to uh, feeding grounds. That, that I guess so, because like. if the Antarctic and the Arctic were bigger, they were, there wouldn't have even been like a channel around, like there wouldn't be no way yeah. to go through the Cape of Good, Good Hope or whatever. Or the... But it was also not really that cold either. Mm. So Megalodon had free reign all okay. over the planet. Okay. And one of their uh, their biggest uh, sources of food were whales. Ah. Like they, they had such a big bite radius that they could they could crush a skull of a of a, of a whale easily wow um but like happened, any whale or just any a small whale. oh wow or, or like because or at least the like um orcas huh, they they probably weren't completely orca back back then but yeah they're the precursors to orcas also blue whales all big whales basically were were just food for these things yeah um but once the waters cooled the whales who were mammals could handle being in cooler waters so they could be off in safety there megalodon basically starved uh so Hmm. anyway uh something that orcas figured out with smaller sharks over time was that when you flip them over they go into a tonic state Okay. So what a so like a orca, chicken. Yes. So what an orca will do is is swim up behind the shark, grab its fin with its teeth, and then he will. But he'll actually hold on. No, the orca will come in upside down. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Then grab the fin, and then yeah. the orca will roll back over with the shark in its teeth, and then the putting the shark upside down. Yeah. And then it it just and dies. it's right side up, and it's ready to yeah. It and it's ready for the attack. In about 10 to 15 minutes, it just drowns because mm. it can't do the ram ventilation or get water flowing through its gills fast sure, enough. And sure. it just eats it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Huh. And uh, Norca's uh, only natural predator is uh, Richard Harris, as we yes. said earlier. <laughs> right. As previously established. That's right. You play MacArthur Park. Oh, I was going to make a MacArthur <laughs> Park joke, we'll and mine is lost. Too uh, slow. Too, too polite. Yeah, that's the way it is. Too polite. That's how right. nature works. So, um... So so yeah, they have their bonding, and it looks like everything's going great, and uh, and uh, and uh, and and there you go. And then the there's a shark attack. Uh, then is this what's going on uh, after that? Is that what happens? Well, yes. So well, well, because the, the thing, story oh, it starts banging against the wall. That's right. That's it starts, what it, it starts hitting the hull of the, the ship and starts uh, causing leaks to spring, and uh, starts to affect the the 
motor and stuff like that because that we have salt water pouring into the boat, which is not right. good for not good for motors. And yeah, so pretty much what the shark is doing is uh, rendering them uh, incapacitating the boat so that they ha- they can't you know makes it harder for them to do what they're trying to do. So later on, when he's um, trying to lure the shark to land. Uh, the boat breaks down because the bearings in the engine seize because the oil has been corrupted by the salt water, and so it can't it can't uh, lubricate itself yeah, well. Yeah, and uh, and Brody tries to, as we have said, uh, contact the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. and uh, Quint uh, loses it and uh, pulls a Dave's dad on the uh, radio <laughs> and just smashes it. So why does he smash it? What's it? Because he just he's got to get because he prevent. has to get the shark. Because Ahab has to get the whale. He does not want any help. He doesn't want outside help to come. He's the expert. Quint is the expert. Right. But no he's got can... a personal thing because he hates these sharks so much. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, he wants revenge for what they've done. Also, he wants the money. Okay. All right. Because... Do you think it's more the money or... I think it. I think there's a lot of ego involved in it too, but I also, okay. also think he doesn't, you know... Is this where Quint then uh, loses the uh, audience's sympathy enough to the point where we're okay with him dying later on? Because up to this point, he's kind of a charming rogue. Like, you know, and mm. especially after you hear his tragic story. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, we don't want to shark eating this guy. He's escaped this horrible massacre. He's done so much. But then when he does this move, yeah. uh, he's he's got he's to gotta go. I think the, Indi- the Indianapolis story kind of sets it up because yeah. that's part of what you're seeing in, in Hooper's reaction is like, oh, we're with a crazy person. He's dangerous. Yeah. It's kind of like when you see Han Solo shooting Greedo afterwards, you realize, oh, the good guy is, gonna, is in so much trouble because he's just hooked up with the worst possible person in this yeah. trip. So anyway, that's yeah, you 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 get to see like Quint just represents this pure id just like has to get this thing and yeah. it's, and it's just he's that scary part of humanity and and he's that scary neighbor down the road that you don't want to mess with. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, so that's up the stakes. You get in a sinking boat with a crazy guy <laughs> and a shark's uh, knocking at your door. And yeah. you really should have a bigger boat. Yeah. My thing when I uh you know, whenever someone talks about Jaws 2, which I really don't remember a lot about Jaws 2, but I always want to say to people, is like, so did they get the bigger boat? Because I know it's Roy, Roy is in it. And like, so? Yeah. How did big he? How big was the boat? Yeah. Because, you know, this was his big thing. Mm. Right. And they, Jaws 2, they used, they used the boat from Kilgans Island there on the minnow. Oh. It was not a bigger boat. No, that was a, that's foolish. <laughs> that didn't even do well for a three-hour cruise. They didn't <laughs> even have even a shark. So it, what, one thing interesting about as the film goes along is I enjoy the ramping up of their attempts to get the shark and just how the shark foils them so if for instance the they shoot more harpoons into the shark they're trying to trying to tie it off to the to the uh whatever they call the um those little things to tie the rope onto on boats they have a name and they say it in the movie and i can't remember now you try and think about it Uh, but it's pulling so hard it starts pulling the shark it starts pulling the boat backwards and Quint is worried about the transom coming off, the back of the boat coming off. And so then it's just, which I think it kind of does, doesn't it? It's pulled oh, off. Yeah, and so the yeah. boat starts Later to, when oh, when he crashes or the shark yeah. crashes onto the, uh, yeah. So it's, once, once again, you know, you, you get this sense of that they know what they're doing, but it's a, it's a tug of war between them and the shark. Cleats. Cleats. That's right. Yeah. Cleats. Thank you. Thank you. And for anyone out there who is yelling at me uh, at, well, while walking their dog, trying to tell me it was Cleats, I apologize for not remembering the word. Yeah, well, uh, maybe the dog's name is Cleats. What a confusing Cletus. situation that would be. Cletus. Yeah. Ah, oh, very good. The formal name of Cleats. Yeah. Under, un, un, understood. Uh, so, so, yeah. I think That's that, Latin for Cleats. Um, Richard Dreyfus has the plan there of like, uh, we, could, we could drug the shark. 
But how do you drug the shark? Because you can't like uh, get through the skin. You Tie a rope like... to it and pull it through the water. Anyway, go on. Okay. Um, uh, you gotta you gotta get in that cage. Yeah. We're gonna have to stab it in the uh, yeah. in the mouth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so we get that scene where. So we the the fun of this, of course, is that when the when the cage was being loaded onto the boat, Quint had no no end of fun at the idea of this shark cage being brought onto. Even having he kind of didn't want it on his boat, basically. But it's ridiculous. Yeah. This is. Dumb nonsense, garbage. No, I've got a, I've got like a fishing line. And by the way, he's proved right because Hooper is lowered into the water. In this, they they do build the, they do put together the shark cage. It's lowered into the water. Yeah, it's nice seeing them build the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lowered nice. into the water. We get the scene where he admits how nervous he is by saying, oh, "That's strange. I don't have any saliva. Spit, he can't, yeah. he can't spit into his mask to help keep it from fogging up." Which is better to use toothpaste. Everyone, mix water and toothpaste is better than saliva. Oh, okay. Just so you know, it's a. Pro tip, and then uh, and then he goes down into the water. He has his man goes in the water. Cage is in the water. He has sharks a, in the water. Sharks in the water. He's got his. He's <laughs> holding on to this. Is in the water. Goodbye, girl is in the water. And it's a stupid. It's a very dumb arrangement because he's holding this spear with yeah. with the with the drug in it. But there is no. There's no strap. There's no strap to, to, to the, yeah. It's, yeah. It's dumb. Yeah, but, and we've we've established, if nothing else, the guy is good at tying knots. So, like, tie a knot yeah. with a string around yeah. your thing, and That's there right. we go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, dum-dum, loot drops the one magic stick that he needs to kill. Yeah, so, well, the sh- to be fair, the shark is sneaky, because it approaches him from the front. He sees it. He reacts to it. It's scary. The shark goes swimming by, and then it's gone, and you're like, oh, I guess everything okay. It's fine. And then the shark comes from nowhere and smashes into the cage and surprises him, and then it's, like, biting at him, and he's he's trying to fumble. I guess he tries, takes off the cork or the tip of yeah. this yeah. needle. And then he's waiting for the shark to come, and then the shark uh, sneaks up behind him. Sneaks up behind taps him. him on the shoulder, and he looks. He looks, he looks the wrong way. Mm. He thinks the shark is on the the left, but yeah, he's on the right. Gag. And then and then the shark. Then you know. the shark like touches, uh, says, "You got something on your shirt." And the guy yeah. he looks down and flips his flipper up his nose, and all the other bullies laugh. But this sequence is quite good because it really does sort of culminate the ill at ease we've been feeling about this shark, how powerful it is, how much it's been foiling them, how Hooper almost gets his legs cut off when the ropes crisscross. Sure. Because really Brody doesn't know what he's doing. Why is Brody running the line behind this person? But anyway, so so yeah, we get this sense of like that, the, you know, and then suddenly here he is in this cage and the shark just makes, well, it makes mincemeat out of the cage. I don't know how it makes mincemeat out of it. It's inanimate. But it just smashes into the cage. He's biting away at, at, at uh, Hooper. Uh, Hooper just escapes by the skin of his teeth, by yeah. the skin of the shark's teeth. We don't think he necessarily, like, we see him go, but, like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going on with Hooper? Yeah. I think that also adds, like, as it's a really nice contrast uh, contrast to Quint's craziness and just, like, mad, like, drive. You also have uh, Hooper's uh, science and technology, mm. and both don't work. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And it's it's basically Ed and, e- and Super Ego, and Brody's, like, Ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's been a long time since we've killed somebody. But we say that... So we need to kill somebody. So it looks like Richard Dreyfuss is going to be killed because yeah, he's the nerd. Yeah. And he's a rich nerd and he's... In he deserves it. It's, yeah. It's easy to kill somebody who's wealthy. The the interesting thing about Quinn, because we keep saying that he's crazy and stuff like that, is that he's he might be... It's not so much... It's crazy in the sense that he's driven. He is driven to do this. He is cold calculating he is a professional he knows what he's doing he doesn't he doesn't queeg it he doesn't turn into a crazy person he 
you know, he does put them into danger by smashing the radio. That's that's for sure. But other than that, he behaves in a completely professional way about getting the shark. Another every other way is unreasonable. Well, but he's reasonable in how he approaches. I will, the I will say shark. something that isn't the most reasonable thing, which is like just getting your drunk on, like power drunk. But they're all doing that. Yeah, that's nice. But still, you're yeah. the professional. Like there's wow. a shark in the water who could be dangerous, who you might have to like get at any second. The shark yeah, yeah. doesn't sleep for the night, mm. you know. Uh, so it's like you, you know, you get yourself really good and plastered. Yeah. What happens when the shark shows? Well, how up? are they gonna have a bonding sequence if they don't get drunk? Mm, there you go. Now. Uh, uh, Hooper dies in the book, as we said, like yeah. in this cage sequence. So but he deserves it because he had an affair with Brody's wife. When you take that, when you take that subplot out, when you take that subplot out, and kind of downplay the fact that he's a you know dilettante, rich rich kid who's who can afford a lot of toys in his in his hobby of, as an oceanographer. Not that it's really a hobby, but you know what right. I mean. Uh, when you take out that element of his character, his death becomes his death becomes a painful thing, not a not a kind of a well. He kind of deserved. It. He's a jerk. You know, then, then it's you can't have that. So, so in the book, uh, is Brody the sole survivor? Then, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, and and well, we can talk. We can talk about the fact that I mean, Brody, as far as Brody knows, he's the sole survivor. So, what happens is the shark leaps out of the water and, and la- you know, kind of grounds itself on the boat, yeah, smashing the end, end of the boat, dragging it down into oh the water. Oh my gosh, what a scene! And Qu- Quint, of course, is uh, can't. Hold on to the yeah. To Brody holds him, uh, holds his hand. Tries, slips tries out. to yeah, and then he f- slides and f- it goes into the shark's mouth, and it's a very well edited sequence of him being eaten by the once again props to Verna Fields for a great job because the shark is not the most realistic shark. And it's good. Apparently, not- she was she was on set during the shooting of the movie. She was on site editing the film while it was being shot. So she was getting the rushes and she was doing the rough edits as they were going so they they would know what what coverage they needed and what, you know, because there was such a mess. Because, the you know, filming, like, this movie, like, taught everyone a lesson that everyone forgot until Waterworld. Like, this movie taught a lesson that, um, that you, should, you just can't film on water because water is really... You know, like the ocean is unforgiving. It will destroy everything. It will, it will rise up. It'll rain. It will do whatever you don't want it to do on the day you need to shoot. It will be there doing what you don't need to do. Good example of the, the abyss. That was an absolute disaster of filming. Yeah, and that was in a contained. That was in a contained. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, were in. But it was. I was mis- just going to say, it was yeah, the most miserable, miserable time. Yeah, the producers divorced over it. Yeah, and yeah. yeah it was. It, it's like if anything that you learn from that, like don't shoot in the water. Yeah, that's right. It's. Or if you do, be prepared for the fact that your budget is just out the window because, you know, it's so unpredictable what's going to happen. You know, like, you know, the movie was triple the expense. It wasn't didn't go triple the expense because of the actress suddenly demanded more money or the special effects became more expensive. They really worked around the issues of the special effects besides the shark sinking to the bottom of the sea at one point because the sled they towed it on collapsed. The It was pretty inexpensively a broken thing that they had. I mean, they you know, they had to try and keep it working, but but it was more just the the fact that the shoot dragged out over time because it was so difficult to get days where you could shoot and when you could get shoot, when you could shoot to have like the sweet spot of the time because right. you have to match shots as well. You if you were shooting at 2 p- 2 p.m. on Tuesday and then you can't shoot until Thursday, but the only time you can shoot on Thursday is 6 p.m., it's not going to work because the light's going to be different. It's it, you know, so you have these all these issues. And cloud cover, exactly. Yeah. All these things were happening. And the fact that they could only shoot in one direction yeah. because of so population behind them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was really tricky. And so Fields was there. And so she would like, and so she was almost like a, a, a 
a co-producer of the movie because she would go down and she and Spielberg would discuss things, would talk about what was happening with the film, and then she would go back and she would do she would recut or do edits to try and figure out what they needed for the next days to be shooting, and so she actually ended up being promoted into the, an executive at Universal after this film because they saw the producers of it, uh, Daryl Zanuck and David Brown, saw how. Integral she, was, integral she was to the production of it. And she's just like, oh, this lady. And she also helped promote it as well. She went around the talk show circuit promoting the film. And so, yeah, they're like, well, this, this is lady's executive material. So that was the last film she edited, Jaws. And she, she was supposed to work on Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but and then ended up going to Michael Kahn, who, like, I think he's still editing uh, Steven Spielberg movies. <laughs> they're going to say he's still editing that movie. That movie, yeah, <laughs> Close Encounters. Still trying to figure it out. There's so many cuts of it. That was true, I guess. But uh, no, so yeah, she went into the executive uh, there. And and uh, the, she then they suggested that she was going to work on Jaws 2 because the the I guess the director was having trouble. And so then they ended up giving it to someone else. So yeah, so she never did go back into making movies, but she edited some of my favorite films. I was... Uh, when Ian was gone for a second, I was saying to Pia that she edited uh, one of my all-time like favorite movies, What's Up, Doc, the Peter mm-hmm. Bogdanovich film, which I love so much. But she also did Paper Moon. She did Sugarland Express for Spielberg and Jaws for him. Cool. So, yeah, she was, yeah. But anyway, so, so yes, we have this sequence, Quint, once again, wonderfully edited to hide the fact that the shark is just laying there and someone, I guess, off-camera was like moving its mouse up and down or whatever. But... Shaw does such a great sell, sell job and the movie, he's probably like pulling it himself. One of those things sure. where like he's attacking himself with the monster. <laughs> and then, uh, and then only Brody's left. As far as he knows, sure. uh, Hooper's dead because they brought the cage out of the water and it was just Hooper's like, hooped. yeah, Hooper's yeah. hooped. It looked like it, uh, it looked like it was, uh, you yeah. know, just smashed to pieces. So he's gone. Uh, the boat is, hope is that the shark's full at this point. <laughs> the boat is slowly sinking. In the water, I think the, I don't think the uh, shark is hungry. I think this is a grudge match by this point in the it's film. Territorial. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And so the boat is slowly sinking. The, of course, the shark comes smashing through the glass of the of the the the, the pilot house of the boat, and then he has to like climb onto the roof, and then he's standing out on the mast. And but the shark, uh, he throws the the oxygen tank at it with the intention. Uh, I originally thought when I first saw the first time I saw the movie, I thought that he just used whatever was at hand and threw it at the shark, and the shark happened to it happened to be an oxygen tank and happened to go into his mouth. But I realized watching it this time was that no, he intended to. Yeah. He has a plan with his oxygen because tank. There's, there's we set it up. Yeah. There's there's the, the yeah you get the first one where he gets scolded. Yeah. And then later on he sees the bottles moving just to, to hold it. Yeah. The, the boat's being um, jolted around. Yeah, yeah. So he's aware that this is a this is it's, yeah. it's a dangerous. This is yeah. the most dangerous thing on the boat. Yeah, it's, yeah, and so now he the shark has the oxygen tank stuck in its in its in mouth, and it's pretending it's a cigar. And yeah, it's doing a Groucho Marx impersonation. Yeah. This is the saltiest water I've ever seen. And then he uh, he was Charlie. <laughs> anyway, so then he has his pistol. That's all. It's, no, he's using a rifle, right? He uses a rifle. He has a rifle because he, he emptied did his, use his pistol. He did earlier. use pistol vainly to sort of. I'm going to shoot a shark. And then after after he shot the shark, he planted a gun on the shark, and it was like, well, no one's going to buy this. <laughs> no one's. No. But that's a typical police move from the set. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> he had put had had the shark's fin prints on it on the gun. So then. He uh, through miracle of miracles he hits this oxygen tank with a with Die his with his last shot yeah. and he's 
using both for tank. He's using a uh, Quint's gun. Yeah. Because uh, he's not using his pistol. No, that's right. And but he's using his his aiming skills. Yeah, and, and so yeah, it's like and also it's his 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 idea of using this tank yeah. as the only way at this point that we're gonna actually get this shark. So he's like the brains of the outfit. <laughs> Un- unlike Quint, who wanted to return with the toe the toes and the tail. Uh, he doesn't care about uh, he doesn't care what what shape the shark is in. Uh, he's fine with blowing it up, and it blowed up good. And so yeah, we got a good shot of a lot of meat flying in the air. Yeah, a lot of blood in the water, and then a little miracle: Hooper appears, and luckily he doesn't get shot. He doesn't turn and shoot him. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Well, blam! <laughs> because again, that would be a 1960s movie. We're like, oh yeah, sad. No, that's 70s. Roll the, roll no, 70s is and... 70s was the age when of the was, sad movie. Uh, when when was uh, Night of the Living Dead? Well, I guess that's, but that's kind of 69, yeah. That's, yeah, there you go. It's, well, a, it's the birth that, of the, it's uh, the birth of the... Let the record show I was correct. No, 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 you're not correct. No. Not correct. I was technically correct, you're which, as we know from correct. Futurama, is the best kind of correct. Is, uh, no, no, it's the 70s was the age of the, 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 the bummer ending of a movie. Sure. Parallax View, Warren Beatty. Oh, if this was dead. a British movie, for sure, it would be a bummer <laughs> ending. Um, but yeah, uh, Richard Dreyfuss shows up and uh, he's fine. It's like, mm. oh, hey. That's good. But it's good. I mean... It's hard to imagine the ending of this movie with just Brody by himself kicking his way to land. Like, you need the two guys having their little conversation as this they... This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. You need that little sequence in the film. You feel like, oh, these two guys are going to be at least going to send postcards to each other. At least, maybe not. They're guys. They're not going to correspond. Actually, they're going to both fade out of each other's lives. But for the time being... And one of them will die of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say only one, one of these movies is canon. Okay. The rest of them are garbage. The other guy's going to build some mashed potatoes into a thing and, like, abandon his children. Once again, not the same person. Are you sure? Yeah, same actor. Okay. But he, but he's not going to go and try and become an actor and live with a woman in her apartment as well. Okay. You know. Will he have problems with a guy named Bob at any point? Yes. Okay. That definitely will happen to him because everyone has problems with a guy named Bob. So back to the movie. I didn't real again, I, I had not realized that uh, you actually do see them swim to shore uh, and that was a little treat that uh, uh, Pia showed me today. Once again, like, there you stayed for the end, the end credit sequence. Yeah, you, you got to watch the end to the state of the end of a movie. I always do myself. I don't understand why people do. Uh, especially back then when there was less credits than there are. Yeah, they're pretty days. fast, aren't they? There are no special thanks. Yeah. Oh, well, there was. There was a special thanks to the the couple that like filmed the real shark. That was true. Yeah. And the post credit sequence wouldn't really happen for another. True. Yeah, What's that? The first one, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Was Spielberg involved with that? I think he was a producer on that. He was that. a producer. Yeah. There we go. We've tied it all in a nice tight bow. <laughs> we have. The, uh, yeah, Jaws 2 follows with uh, not as good a movie at all, but it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Then, jo- then Jaws 3, 3D uh, just goes right off the rails, and then Jaws 4 is an abomination. And I read about it. This is really interesting. Because they were really, really upset with how 3D turned out. And they wanted to turn around and make a drama again, like the first one. Okay. And But they couldn't get uh, Scheider on board. Uh, the producer, whose wife is the actress there, was also looking at what had happened uh, in theater, uh, in cinemas, a year before, which was Aliens. Oh, okay. So that was the whole idea, was like, you know, with... with uh, with aliens, the tagline was "This time it's war." Yeah. This one, this time it's personal, and it was a mother, you know, g- avenging her son. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. And so yeah, it was like it was it was a woman's story this time, but yeah, it all fell apart badly. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of problems. That they didn't have a script when yeah. it started. That's always a problem. Yeah. I think I do think the 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 uh, shark was psychic. Um, the shark <laughs> traveled a distance the shark couldn't travel. 
Uh, Michael Caine apparently agreed to uh, do the film when he opened up the script and saw uh, that the you know exterior Hawaii, and then went, uh, "Yep, I'm in." Yeah, well, it was Bahamas. It oh, was it was Bahamas. Bahamas? Very yeah. good. Um, but yeah, he had a six-day shoot schedule, so he was all game for that. But then what happened was the uh, he got an Oscar nomination for Hannah and Her Sisters, and they couldn't move the shooting date because it was so tight and so budget-restricted yeah. that he was stuck in the Bahamas when he should have been at the Oscars, and he wore about that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and it was just, uh, it's like one thing after another and not great, but he said at the same time, it's like, well, you know, maybe it was a horrible movie, but I got, I paid off my house and my taxes and I got a trip to the Bahamas for, that's great. So, <laughs> well, that's the important thing. That's the important thing. The actors made Thank a lot you. of money. <laughs> Thanks for that. Then we're good. That's the important thing. So, but, uh, uh, well, let's, 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 let's do, do a kind of a general, general feelings about this movie perfectly then. structured um again if you want to as a writer rip off something for a thriller yeah. this is great uh mm-hmm. start off with your most horrific thing uh build atmosphere and then have a couple of good frights and then by by the end make it personal make it very personal tighten your focus as much as you can yeah and uh and and then yeah have a good payoff at and the throw end out all the dead wood, just keep it throw out yeah. all the dead wood yeah yeah i think that's the most i think that's the sort of key to me in this film is how how laser focused steven spielberg is on a good story in a movie like how you know he can just seem to focus in on what's the important part of the film like what the audience wants to see you know because that's what he wants to see you know like get rid of all those side plots and stuff like that they're not important you know let's just get to where the real heart of the story is which is three guys on a boat trying to kill a big scary shark and the hack stuff that you would normally do in these kind of movies is clearly the mayor has to be eaten by a shark clearly the mayor has to go out on a boat and fall into the water i guess you say that clearly but i agree with you that that would be very that's the hack thing but that's what you get in almost any other movie because Mm. that guy's the villain yeah well how do we pay that off you pay it off like this Okay, fine, but no, of course they pay not. it off by he's not even in the movie after. That's right, after he's ashamed and leaves in shame. And what happens to him? Eh, who cares? We're we're following this character, mm-hmm. you know. He's proven right, and uh, off you go. Something that was also really refreshing about this movie for the time is that you have so much cynical, uh, so much cynicism of, of the of the era. So many movies that were dark. Yeah, and oh for sure. You have, and you're also dealing with post Watergate and yeah. what this movie brought in was the catharsis of of the exploding shark you you, you beat the man you beat the yeah. you beat the thing that was trying to get you sure. and the, and then you'd see that later with star wars you beat yeah. up the, the you see that with, star. you see that with billy jack there's lots of movies that were amazingly popular at that time that if unlike jaws or unlike star wars if you watch billy jack now you'd be like i don't why did people why what was this movie so it was such a huge sensation but it was because yeah it had the sense that we're we're beating our enemies yeah um which people needed at the time i don't know if this is the best movie of 1975 which was a stellar year for movies and probably jaws was like the death knell for this the the archetypal 70s film that we would think of you know the the nashville the the Dog Day Afternoon, you know the conversation, Fresh those different, those kind of movies. Well, Kramer vs. Kramer is much later. It's oh, a, sorry. it's seventy nine, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the Kramer vs. Kramer is kind of, it's kind of a different sort. Well, it's a different sort of film. Anyway, uh, there was less sharks in it. I would. Yeah. Uh, Kramer versus Kramer versus a shark. I would love to do Kramer versus Kramer as a as a fan spinners one of these days actually, okay. but and just for the fact that he's reading Tintin to his son in it is a great thing. <laughs> but uh it's 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 a 
it certainly is a well-constructed movie. Like it's not, you know, like it's not a, it has a, it has a right amount of heart, you know, for a movie that's a, a cash grab essentially, you know, like it really, it really does want the money, but it's, it's, uh, it certainly has like, it's hard in the right place, you know, like when you watch a movie, you know, even when you watch E.T., which is another movie where you're just like, you know, oh my God, they really want some money. They really want money from this movie. It still feels like there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of reality to it. There's a real sense of of people living in this world that you're watching. And that's the same with Jaws. Like even though things are done very quickly, you still get a sense like this is where people live. This is the place that has a real yeah. life in it. You buy the family completely. Mm-hmm. If, if it was Not just a, the family, the town. You buy the town true, as well. True, but especially, I mean, you need the family to really care about mm-hmm. yeah. Brody. And like if it was an exploitation movie, a typical exploitation movie, when the wife comes in and goes, uh, you want to get drunk and fool around, we would then smash cut to the bedroom and you would be seeing some stuff. Sure. And it's like, no, they love each other. They're going to go have sex. It's a different audience. It's none of our business. Yeah, this movie, well, it's this movie's audience, a blockbuster. It wasn't enough of a different audience that we didn't have a nude scene off the top because you got to. Because well, we're going to enter in through this yeah. genre and then we're going to subtly change the genre and we're going to reinvent it a little bit as we, yeah, yeah. As we go along. But it's not, a, it's not a don't look now audience. It's not a Julie Christie, Donald Sutherland, big sex scene at the beginning of the movie audience. No. Nope. That's a different... Those movies are putting, they're planting their flag in a different Drop place. Drop the robe. Yeah. Let's meet you in the shower. And quick thing. And like I say, this side boob. This movie really, really spells sort of the death knell of that of the, of of those movies of the classic seventies films that everyone talks about nowadays. The Godfathers and stuff like that are are all going to get mowed under by this movie, you know. And it's just a total, totally different playing field. And in, in some ways, it's. Well, in some ways, it's good, I guess, but let in other me, ways, it's not this. good. This is a weird question. Aside from movies that Spielberg has has done that are set in based on real events, yeah, okay. So we're taking those out of the mix. Sure, sure. Has there ever been nudity in a Spielberg movie besides this one? And hmm. is it in the very first scene and it's done? Because it feels like that's done, and then nothing else that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that he hired the actress in it because she would do nude. Like he wasn't he wasn't going to be turned away from having a nude scene in it this movie. It almost feels like. We need this because this is where our starting point is, and this mm. is what the genre is. Now we're well, done, and and never seems to do. It's again, but it's, you know it's what? One of those it's weird also things. the ultimate invulnerability. A person who's naked in the water, being killed by a sure. shark, is totally vulnerable in a way that's that's more shocking than just someone. Even if she's wearing a bathing suit, it would feel Understood. less. I just wonder if like any other, because any, someone mentioned this about Quentin Tarantino, in that there is no nudity in any Quentin Tarantino movie. Hmm. You think they're all R-rated movies? Yeah, hard R, lots lot of, of violence, violence, lot of violence, lot, yeah. lots of uh, sex, sexual talk. Uh, but is there a lot of talk? Well, I guess, I yeah, guess there, there is. Yeah, and, but there's never any, uh, but there's never any nudity. No, and it feels like not a lot of sex either. Right. That's that's true. There is romance, but there's not necessarily actual seeing seeing sex. The only thing in Jackie Brown, where uh, Robert De Niro and Bridget Fonda, that's the only th- sex scene I, scene I can think and of. Because in Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino is film. such a uh, fan of '70s movies and old movies, and yeah, yeah. Someone like a Spielberg, yeah. I wonder if that is kind of an influence thing. Is like this sure. is not a well Spielberg goes into, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just I was just thinking that it feels like it's the only one. Uh, only time I've ever seen it, with the exception again of uh, and maybe, uh, his, you know, and maybe for Spielberg of the time he was directing, that it's a, it associates it with a certain type of film as well. You know, like you know, you look at the movie like Evil Dead, where they were in order to get the funding they needed to make the movie, they were required to have this amount of nudity. They had to sexual have a assault. they had to have a sexual assault scene. They had to have these various markers. And for Spielberg, 
Jaws, of course, was such a huge smash. He never had to think of that again. He never had to, no. never had to be an exploitation director ever again. You know, even someone like Scorsese as well. Like how, like are Scorsese movies full of sex scenes and stuff like that? Not really. I don't think. That's just how I have to, I'd have to give that some thought. But you know um, what I mean, right? Like yeah. maybe for those directors at that way, time period. Besides Boxcar Bertha, which had a which had a a, a photo layout of a naked. Barbara Hershey and David Carradine in in Penthouse okay. as a promotional thing for that film. Besides that movie, which once again, that was how he got to make movies, was make that movie. Once he made that movie and it did okay, he never had to go to that again. And I think maybe for those directors, it might have been a way to like close that part of their of their. Well, their, this might be a good thing history. that we throw uh, to our listeners and ask, you know, right in their think, faces. Yeah, and and ask if they can think of anything. But yeah, we should probably wrap up. We've been going on for a little while, and uh, we have so many more podcasts to today. Yeah, let me wrap um, up. Then. Uh, you've you've wrapped up your points. I've wrapped up my points. I believe. Uh, Pia, is there anything about the legacy of uh, of this movie that uh, that you want to? Bring up. Uh, well, I, I it's been nothing but good for sharks. It brought sharks to <laughs> everyone's no attention. Publici- uh, any publicity is good publicity. That's what they said. There's only one thing worse than than not being talked about. Or sorry, there's only one thing worse than being killed in the ocean having your fin cut off, and that's not being talked about. Yeah, that's probably one of the the harshest things about uh, not so much the legacy of Jaws, but the idea of uh, like sharks or what they're facing now is uh, is the finning. There's just millions and millions of of, of sharks just being pulled out of the water every year, um, and just for their fins, and then they're thrown back into the water live and defenseless and they, because they and, can't yeah, they can't swim. Then they can't they have, swim. Yeah. They sink. They get predated on or they just drown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there's, uh, it's like the thing what, what Jaws kind of teaches us is that there's so much we need to learn about the oceans and, and our environments in, in order to make it better. Um, one thing that I remember really clearly from, from volunteering at the aquarium and, and teaching people that stuff and learning all this stuff, uh, one of the volunteers I worked with said that they had some tourists come in from China um, who were looking at the, at the shark kind of uh, specimens they had on the table. Sure. And one of the kids was saying, well, we were taught that when cut off the fin, it grows back. Uh, Yeah, this is what they taught us in school. Wow, propaganda. Exactly. So it's like, uh, it was such an incredibly sad thing to see. And they're surprised when you, when you, when you tell them like, no, they die. And that, then this is what they're facing. And it's, that is the kind of outreach that you need. And, and, yeah. it's, and you're only, you're just starting to see some of this get walked back now because you have celebrities uh, now in China who are, are saying, well, we have to stop doing this. What happened? You're terrible. And yeah. so it's, it's starting to come back because it's, it's, because it's just this weird cultural thing, and the sharks fins sure. don't even taste anything. You have yeah. to actually add it, add flavoring and, yeah, and yeah. broths and all this stuff for it for it to happen. It's just cartilage. So, I'm glad the government uh, is allowing this to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, you know, hopefully this, these kind of discussions and things we'll talk about it will just spread more. That these mm. are really important animals. They're important to our ecosystem. They help maintain the, the biodiversity by just being part of the, the food chain. Sure. On top of it. Even. Yeah, uh, and and we're in a lot of trouble right now. So. By the way, we're at the top of the food chain, Pia. Well, uh, there's the, there's those mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're not eating us. They're just killing us. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are eating us, mosquitoes. I guess they're drinking some blood. And then, you, then you go into bacteria and all. Okay. Kinds well, of anyway, it's uh, yeah. There you go. I said food chain. Yeah. Not disease chain. chain. Anyway. 
Let's uh, let's wrap up the show. So, anyone, this is this, everyone. This is the fans planners. You can uh, you are more than welcome to write into us. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website for our uh, flagship podcast, Sneaky Dragon, at sneakydragon.com. You'll find uh, our pod, our podcast posted there, and you are more than welcome to leave a comment. We love to read them. You can contact us via email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We're on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We are on Facebook at sneaky dragon. These are all legitimate ways to say hello, and we love to hear from you, as I said. So, everyone, save us an aisle seat. (laughs) French horn.